finally uh, recognize us for what I believe we are. I know why we're underrated. We're underrated because I've defied the system since the day I've walked into this music business. You know, I've, I, I haven't been really, uh, uh, you know, the kind of guy that just says yes, sir, no, sir, and, and takes my lashing. So it's, right. it's, been, it's been a bit of, you know, while I'm grateful that I'm here, while I'm very grateful for some of the opportunities that I've had, you know, I, I've, I've, I've approached this whole business uh, in the music business with, with a very stand-up-for-artist kind of mentality because, you know, I'll touch on this first. Uh, it's a shame that you see so much mental illness go on in the music business, but am I shocked? I'm not because the way that the system is really set up, it's really set up to make to, to really beat down artists and make them feel afraid and make them feel right. like they can't do things on their own and make them feel like they need a support system to rely on all these other people. And and, yeah. and at some point it almost feels like, you know, I, and, and I'm not calling any single person out because, you know, I, I, I always got to watch where I track because I'm already pretty, you know, blacklisted from so many uh, sides of this business because of the way I speak. <laughs> Um, but the one thing I will say is it becomes a point where you feel like you're working for people instead of people working for you. So Mm. as an artist, you, 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 you want to have that, uh, you know, you feel like you're your own boss. You feel like you've got in, you know, most artists get into this because they have a passion for the arts and they, and they really don't like to answer to too many people. But it's funny in this business more than ever, you find yourself uh, paying people a lot of money uh, to work for them almost, uh, so it, it's right. it's a bit right. of an odd situation. And, and when I bring up mental illness, I, I bring it up because of this. You know, artists can work their whole lives and have their work rejected constantly, have their their their, their create you know the, the the music they create criticized and ridiculed because it's not the vision of you know a sixty five year old label exec or manager or attorney or so whoever's calling the shots in your camp. It starts right. there. Then I think after you work your whole life towards something, and obviously there's plenty of money to go around, but when, as an artist, when you start seeing that your business generated $100 million and you made $2 million of that, you, you start losing some sleep at night. You start thinking about your, 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 the future and the long term. And there, There's so many anxiety p- pressure points. There's so many things that, that hit the button hit the anxiety button on artists from, from your creativity constantly being uh, you know, ridiculed to your finances constantly being stripped right out of your pocket. You know, what's the number one story you hear all the time? Oh, he didn't know that he owed the IRS $10 million. You know, right. oh, he, it's, it's because everybody's sliding into your pockets before it gets to you. So that by the time that it gets to the artist, you, you feel like that's your money. You feel like, you know, this, this million is mine. You know, like, you, right. you don't realize that that uh, if you're not properly doing your taxes, and I hate to just ramble on about this, but I see guys like Chris Cornell and Chester, and, and, and yeah. I know, I know uh, Jill from Huntress just just uh, passed away, and I know it's because this business beats you down is 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 a, is a big part of uh, some of the problem uh, with these artists. I know I know that they they feel a certain level of pressure to deliver uh, uh, you know certain types of music and and from there all the way to finances all the way to the mental beatings that you get from the people that are supposed to be supporting you it's so stressful that you put yourself in a depression i know this because the only time i was ever depressed in my entire life was in 2013 making the stuck album 
when I had, I felt like it was every single person against me. I felt like it was the label against me. It was the man, my, my own team was against me. Everyone was against me. And, and, uh, you know, I'm coming off the biggest record of my career and I can't afford to buy my daughter baby formula because they're siphoning millions of dollars from me. You know, it's not even getting to me. By the time it gets to me, it's just a statement that says how much money I paid out to everyone. Right. Right. That's a lot of stress no. on an artist. It's a lot of stress to go and out there and leave your family and, and, and put it all on the line. And, and, and at the end, you're like the Monopoly man with the, you know, go directly to jail card. Well, you're you're more independent now, right? You're not with any record label. You have your own label that's putting for out the, your music? For the last four years, I've, I've done everything on our own label. And, you know, that's, that's a big part of why I love uh, speaking about this, talking about this. You know, uh, we've been blacklisted from just about everything. If you notice, we haven't really played any super large festivals. We haven't really supported outside oh. of Alter Bridge. Outside of Alter Bridge, who I think is very forward-thinking and great friends of ours, we yeah, haven't supported one big act uh, you know, there, there's no, there's no five finger death punches or any of these bands. Like we're not even considered for these tours because of the way that we run through our operating system. It doesn't matter the level of success we're having because we're coming off of a single that had 10 million streams at Spotify. And my phone was relatively silent, uh, in the business because this business, when you start having success on your own and showing that you don't need an army of people that are sliding into your pockets before it gets to you, you are on a blacklist. You better believe I'm on a blacklist. Right now, I'm trying to get on tour with the band, and and it, it, you know, by the time it gets to the to the managers or the label, it, it, the, the label will laugh. Ah, oh, yeah, right. We're not bringing this band out, and it's because of the message that I'm sending. The message that I'm sending is I'm on my own label for the past four years. I'm the happiest I've ever been in the music business. I'm the most excited I've ever been in the music business. I am. I am. Uh, I love this business. And I look forward to taking on these challenges and breaking down these walls that these guys are constantly setting up for me. But the facts are the facts. I'm going to set a story that shows artists that if you make great music and you have great fans, no one can stop you. Our label has 50 million streams. We've sold over 100,000 albums, and we've sold over 100,000 downloads over the past three and a half years on our music. And uh, I think it, it, that, that from here, it's going to continue to rise. Yeah, man. That's yeah, just man. powerful stuff. We're sincere. We're recording, right? I mean, I know yeah, we, yeah. we we have I'm a few takes. I don't want you to have to. Rick was Rick was on such a flow, man. I just, I started recording. Yeah. Good. Got on, Good. I was like, you know what? He's going, man. I don't want to sit there. It's like, hey, man. Well, let's just stop. You know, let's stop. Talking, <laughs> Tell me, you're on a flow, Can you repeat all that, please? <laughs> I, know, well, I, I love it, like, man. I love I love music, and and I'm tired of seeing. I've seen so many tales. There's been things in my career. Uh, you know, and maybe down the road one day, if I ever write, I don't want to write a book and expose anyone or nothing, but, you know, I've seen so many things happen in this business that, that hurt my heart or upset me, and I've had things happen to me that have been that too. So, you know, I remember one time I had a platinum-selling artist um, come over to my house and, and, and stay with me in Vegas once, and, uh, they, you know, they slept on my couch, and I remember when they walked into my home, they were kind of like, how do you have this? How do you have this house? And I'm yeah. like, look, you, you know, I will say that I have this house from other investments that's not the music business, you know? So it's like this was at a time where, uh, you know, I, I invested in other things. So I listened to this artist's story, and this artist sold a million records, and they're telling me that they don't have one asset in their life. They, wow. don't know, they have no house, no car. They barely have enough money to get by in, in, in their bank account. 
and I'm thinking, this tale sounds familiar. Yeah. You know, okay. this tale sounds familiar. So I didn't really, you know, I didn't really ever dive into the, in, into the, you know, being like a label darling or a management darling. I felt like I was always butting heads with the corporate side of the music business because they didn't like that I asked too many questions. They didn't like that I that I wanted things to change. They didn't like that sometimes I would ask for better, fair, more fair deals. And I know that in the beginning you signed the deal that you signed, but there's a lot of wording and print that even gets by your lawyers, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. Right. So it's a pretty brutal business, but I think the change is coming. I'm so passionate about the change that's coming. I, I couldn't be more excited to re- – it's almost like a house cleaning. We're going to – this yeah. generation, my generation, my generation is going to come in and clean out the dinosaurs. We're going to come in. We're going to wipe out the old model. We're going to wipe out the dinosaurs. I'm taking the dinosaurs head on right now. Some of them have serious problems, but they're already throwing their they're, – they're already shooting their nukes at me. They're already shooting their best <laughs> missiles at me. They're already They're already excluding me from everything that they can, you know, uh, it, it, like I said, it's, it's nearly impossible for me to get on a support tour with a band that has a manager it, it, or, or, or label, you know, it's, it's nearly impossible for me to get on rock on the range or Carolina rebellion or some of these festivals anymore, because these, these are, these are all entities that are really in business with, with, I don't want to say the enemy, there's no enemy, but they're, they're in business with the old way. Right. Right. Yeah, and these major corporations as well. You know, most of these are like sponsored by like Coke or Monster or something like that. So it's even beyond the music. So they're answering to those people. It's funny because I just watched this uh, this past episode of Ballers and you saw the same situation on this show that's on HBO with um, The Rock. And oh, I love the same it. situation, they, they're sponsoring this kid. You know, he's a black surfer. And, you know, this kid pretty much, you know, Coca-Cola is like sponsoring this kid. But the thing is, they when they put the advertisement out for the tour, you know, they the kid is very li- like fair-skinned. You know, you can tell that he's mixed. But Coca-Cola puts out a poster, and the kid is like my color. They, he's like three shades browner. So it's like the opposite <laughs> of what you normally see in marketing. So he's like, you know, look at this, man. I'm not that dark. That you're really trying to bank off of the fact that he's black or whatever. So, you know, he's he's feeling like, I don't want to do this tour because that's not who I am. And, you know, he's speaking out against this. So The Rock's speaking out for him as well because, you know, he's also coming from, you know, a mixed family. And where you have to deal with this, you know, this whole corporate exploitation of color or whatever. And so um, it's just so crazy because a lot of these tours or whatever, they are answering to these major corporations and they can care less about the artist or the athlete or anything like that. They're just really trying to basically it's a new form of just it's corporate slavery for the most part. It's like, you know, you're the product. You're not a human being. Uh, hey, look, you can read a um, you know, you can you can read so many stories of where uh a, a, a label or a corporation or, or you know they just they come in and they absolutely expose an artist you know i can't i can't really say her name because it's hard to say but maybe kieza or something she was on island yeah. f jam she had a hit song called hideaway mm-hmm. and she's going around telling her story you know uh she put she put the song out it started blowing up like by itself it, it sold a million singles alone on no label island f jam promised her the world she went in signed all her rights to island f jam uh, you know, they, they told all these things they were going to do. They did it all for one song. And then after the song was done, no one ever returned her phone calls again from her managers to her label, to her attorneys. Everyone ghosted her. No one talked to her again after they all made about $30 million off her. She couldn't get anyone on the phone. And one day she was having dinner with her parents and she received a text message that said, uh, sorry, our visions are different. It's just not working out. Have a good life. 
And that was it. Oh, yeah. Difference. Yeah, and, trust and, me, dude. I understand because I worked for those labels. You know, I worked for them for like almost 20 years, man, doing marketing and promotions and, you know, oh, heading, you street know. Teams, uh, heading street teams. And that's one of the reasons why I left because it just got real. Because before doing all that, I was also a DJ. So I'm also the person that you're trying to pimp the product to. You know, so I'm pimping the product to the actual Johns, but I'm actually one of those Johns as well. It was a very twisted, incestuous thing. That it's very twisted, but it's even, it's even more <laughs> twisted now because radio is almost at a point where oh, it knows it's dying, and, and, and right. it's, it's almost like it's trying to take everyone out on the way down. It's like, oh, it's yeah. like you know, uh, radio, every time I talk to someone involved in radio, here's this statement that comes out of my mouth out of their mouth. Oh, well, we're really tightening playlists. We're not doing much new music. We're playing <laughs> this band, this band, this band, and this band. It's yeah. to the point where, like, you have heavy rock bands coming from playing Disturbed, and the next track they're playing is Lord Royals. And, it, and, it's, like, <laughs> and it's like active rock station, and it's just shooting itself in the foot. There's no support for the scene, no support for the community, but here's where they're losing out. It's not slowing down great artists one bit. Radio is not supporting rock bands, but it's not slowing them down because people are discovering them through different avenues. They're discovering them through right. serious radio. They're discovering them through Spotify. They're discovering them through Apple Music. So why the radio stations think that they're high and mighty right now and they decide what records they're going to play and we're done with this band and we're done with I haven't been on a Cumulus radio station in five years, and my band is bigger than we've ever been. So, yeah, radio is antiquated radio is in a lot of ways, too. It's basically on the route that the labels started going toward the early 2000s. You know, you know, once Napster was pretty much killing those labels and, and the RIA couldn't support them anymore, really couldn't even bully anybody anymore, and they had their little puppets out in the front. Speaking of puppets, you know, yeah, people like Lars and those guys, Metallica, whatever. It's like, look, man, right. here's the deal. This is the thing about technology. You've got to keep up, man. You, you can sit there and bitch about, you know, what this is how it's always been and blah, blah. But you know what? Technology is going to leave you. And, you know, even as a DJ, you know, in the early, like early 2000s, you know, you had a lot. It was moving toward, you know, more of, you know, CDs instead of vinyl, you know, and mixing CDs. And then it went to MP3s. And so, you know, you had all these other old school DJs who were bitching about this. Well, now anybody can be a DJ. Um, yeah, but here's the deal. Anybody can go buy records back and they could claim to be a DJ as well. So basically, you just got to keep up with the technology. And honestly, it made life a lot better for DJs when you didn't have to tote around, you know, road cases full of vinyl to every gig when all you got to do is just bring your hard drive with you and a laptop. Well, the same oh, thing. I, going, I, I, I categorize it in the two areas. It's those that innovate and those that stagnate. And right now, radio is in debt. They're falling under. They're, 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 okay. they're, they're constantly going, they're going bankrupt. The biggest ones are going bankrupt. They're in the right category of stagnation. Uh, you know, they're missing, they're missing out on hit records left and right these days. They're missing out on breaking bands. I thought that, you know, when, when you look at country music, the community and country sticks together. They break records together. They, they help yeah. records go number one. Yeah. I've never seen a community more against each other from the artists to the managers and the artists to the radio stations. The, there is a reason. People will say, oh, rock is dead, rock is struggling. The only, it's, it's our own fault because we do not work together. We do not work together. You, it, you know, I know this because any time I've ever tried to 
to have an artist feature a song with me. Oh, I'm going to call this singer I love. You know, we're gonna, let's, let's do a feature together. It's impossible. It's impossible to get done. No one's comfortable with doing it. The label won't let you do it. The artist doesn't want to do it. But then if you look at hip-hop or country, or these people are singing on each other's songs left and right. They're cross-promoting. They're working together. Then when they have a song climbing up the chart, every radio station's getting behind it, cheering it on, saying, we're going to support this record. We want, we want this artist to go number one. In rock music, if they see something climbing up the chart, there's 10 or 15 stations saying, oh, we ain't going to let that go number one. How can we knock it down? And it's like, you know, you're killing your own scene. And I've seen this with my own eyes, so there's not, it's not something that I'm fabricating. I've seen it. There are guys in there that don't want to see artists succeed. They don't want to break the next artist. They want to break what they want to break, and everything else is an enemy. Well, you know, they're yeah. they're feeling like that genre, that, that door is so tiny now. They feel like that, that window of opportunity. That's why you see a lot of rock guys end up crossing over with, they'll end up, you know, getting together with someone <laughs> in hip-hop or rock because they see like, look, man, obviously, you know, the, the, it's very tight. As far as that genre on the radio for rock, so let me get let me get with this hip hop artist or whatever. Get, let me get in front of a totally different audience and expose myself to them, and then it's like, okay, now I might have just a little bit more longevity in this industry if you're going to go that route of I'm going to sign to a label and do the whole little corporate label thing, you know. Whereas if you're independent, you can give two fucks about that, you know. You're going to when do you're independent, the level of fr- I remember that I used to have like my tweets. <laughs> managed. I remember that I used to have the things I could say managed. I remember getting phone calls. I, I get. I would get phone calls once a week. Like, did you say this? What did you go on there and say? What did you go? And I, and, and I couldn't even be myself. I, you know, yeah. I got into rock and roll because I'm definitely a rebel soul man. I'm definitely a guy that likes to go out and and be who I am and say what I wanted. And I felt so conformed and so restricted that they would make me feel. Like, my opinion and the things that I was saying, you know, they would make me feel like they were all going to end my career if I kept saying it. If you go out there and say this radio station isn't playing rock records one more time, you're done. And I'm over here on the other side of the phone like, but they're not. But they're not playing rock records. I'm just telling the truth. The people need to know. The people need to know that guys like Troy Hansen from Cumulus are destroying the genre. No one even knows this guy's name, and he's out there just destroying an entire scene. Since this guy has taken over, since this guy has taken over Cumulus Music, the rock scene is in worse shape than it's ever been from a radio support perspective. And all that does is hurt the genre in a whole. All it does is motivate guys like me to be like, well, I'm not even going to utilize radio. There's no budgets going into radio anymore at this point for me. I'm going to focus on the people that do support new music discovery. I'm going to put, you know, Spotify is already barreling everyone over. Apple Music's already yeah. barreling everyone over. The last thing that radio needs is artists to start teaming up with those entities and really start barreling, you know, really start making them obsolete. And that's exactly what is about to happen. That is exactly what is already happening. Yeah, it's already happening because Spotify is giving these platforms. I mean, they're doing these, these sessions, these studio tours and studio sessions with these artists and they're breaking, they're breaking so many artists and they're doing it the right way because instead of depending on radio, most, like most labels do is like to break an artist. It's like Spotify already has access to all the people they need to. They have millions of subscribers and they already know pretty much who's really listening. They already know who the tastemakers are. And they're out there. so they're supportive. Out. They let the data do the talking. They don't let opinion exactly. do the talking. You know, it's, it's funny. In 2009, I released a song called Last Stand. And it was considered a flop to the label. The song didn't get any radio play. No DJs really wanted to play it. Um, and, and, and it was considered a failure. And it was considered, a lot of people will say to me, man, that was the song that I thought was going to be you know, huge for you guys. 
You fast forward to 2018 today. That song, Last Stand, is blowing up at Spotify because Spotify recognized that our fans kept listening to it. They recognized that people were listening to it. They took the algorithms and they started putting it in front of people. They started using Spotify radio. They started using a rock ballads playlist. They put this song in front of people. When I left the label, that song had about 700,000 streams and it was growing very slowly. You fast forward today, the song has 4 million streams, and these 4 million streams came within the past year since Spotify really found it, picked it out of the bunch, and said, this is a hit record. So that's going to continue to happen. If you're an artist and you feel like you made something so great and no one's ever heard it, you might be able to just sit back and relax and wait for the algorithms to kick in and wait for, wait for, a, compu- wait for a computer and a curator to come together and say, oh, we see this one, this song people love. And, and you might find yourself 10 years later having a hit that no one else in the business discovered. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that, I that happens all the time. time. It's like there are artists yeah. I'm thinking of brand new, and I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, man, they've been around since this, this. How did I not know about them? I mean, here's the thing, man. You can't deny Spotify has over 180 million listeners, man, and 83 of them are paying. Hell, I'm one of them. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. It's like how are you going to deny that? So it's basically radio, corporate radio needs to get with the ball and quit trying to trap everybody with your crappy apps like the iHeartRadio app and all that because you're still playing commercials. You're still, you're still kind of like playing the same, instead of the same strong 10 songs all day long, now you got the same 20. But then you try to say you're giving the, the listener freedom to pick their own playlist, but you really don't. Because still I think kind of... they're trying to play a stock game right now. I think what I think what Clear Channel and Cumulus is is attempting to do is they're attempting to clear their name up a little bit because their yeah. reputation is so bad. They're attempting to try to level it out, maybe get in the good graces of the world again as far as the way people are talking about them. And then they're right. going to try to offload their stocks or offload their stations, or they're going to search. You know, they're going to try to get some of their money back. I mean, it's a matter of time until they start selling off to to more open minded companies like Beasley broadcasting and midwest family i mean these these are like more uh, uh, more scene friendly radio stations more 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 stations that are really at the ground floor saying no but the people fans love this artist we know because this you know 500 people came out to see them you know i don't even think anyone from from one of the corporate you know cumulus or clear channel i don't even think they have any idea of of about half the music scene that's going on right now i think they're so well, you know why. out of touch <laughs> Yeah, they are because they're sitting in a corporate office and also they're just like a lot of politicians. They're these old dinosaurs who are not out there touching the people anymore. They're not out there in the clubs. They're not out there in the streets. And back in the days, that's what made a record, man. It's like you had, that's why you depended on the DJ. Because he was out there, you know, this guy was out in the clubs. He heard these bands playing and he went back to the program director like, dude, or the music director. He's like, dude. There's this new band. You know, you've got to check them out. Check this out. Here's the CD or here's the music. Check this out. We need of to get course. them on the playlist. We need to get them up there. And that's what college radio was all about. It was all about breaking artists. And pretty much college radio has gone to shit now. It's pretty much just, it's almost become corporate because it's also run by state institutions, the, the university. And so, of course, now when you're getting that state money, you know, it's going, they're coming in like, hey, you need to stop playing this. You can't play this anymore. You know, that's not what this universe is about. This is a poor representation that we will cut back funding if you continue to play stuff like this. And so well, even you think, there, you think about the oxymoron of this. Think about this. You have you have stations that are so focused on not playing records, not playing new music, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you have the two most successful entities giving people more music than ever. You have Apple Music and you have Spotify and Amazon Music saying, 
We're going to give people everything. We're going to give them new music. We're going to give them catalogs. And it's like, how more opposite could you be? If you see, if you see that there's more music than ever over here and more music discovery than ever over here, what would make you think that your game plan of playing less music is going to be successful? Because people are just going to look at you and go, well, you're playing less music. I don't need, I'm not even going to mess around with you anymore. I'm going to go to the thing that plays more music and I'm going to go to the thing. They have such a backward thinking. They're trying to think like, oh, if we make our playlist so exclusive that it's only seven songs, that everyone's going to listen to these seven songs. It's the problem with the music business. You want to create a business where hundreds of thousands of great artists can make a living, not just 1%. You don't want, you know, if, if iHeartMedia and Cumulus and Universal Music and all these companies had it their way, there would be 11 artists in the world. There would be 11 mm-hmm. artists. There, there would be Drake. There would be Taylor Swift. There would be, like, five other bands, and then, and, then, and then it would fall off the cliff, and there would be no one else making a living. So... That's almost the path that these guys want to take. They're like, we're going to play five records. Two of them are going to be from the same artist. The other four, you know, the other three are going to be from, we'll pick one new artist to play that already has, you know, broken. It's it's a crazy mindset. Yeah, the latest puppet that they can control. That's what it comes down to. That's the one they'll break. If they feel like they can actually not only break the artist, but also break their music, but they can also break that artist down and control them, that'll be the one that they end up like, okay, well, here's new music from so-and-so, because you know why? We have control of so-and-so. So, of like, course. you can't have a guy they're underestimating, like you. Yeah. They're yeah. underestimating fans. They're underestimating artists. They're underestimating the, 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 the business-savvy artists. They're underestimating the artists who have real talent. You know why I think no one's been able to stop... You know, there are certain bands, you know, certain groups, certain rappers, Chance the Rapper, no one was able to stop him. Adelita's Way, no one is going to stop us because we're the real deal. No matter what the music business says, we can go out, we can perform our songs the way they sound. We can do it live. We can write music on a regular basis that people love and connect to. And when you have, when you can do that... You don't have to fear anyone. If, you know, if you're if you're a pro, if you're if you're an artist like Dua Lipa, who and I don't mean to throw her under the bus, but if you're an artist like Dua Lipa, who you need the producer and you need all the biggest songwriters in the world to sit in a room and do all the work for you, and then you just put your voice to it, then you're 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 against me. You're saying, oh no, we love the corporations, we love the label because you're lending your voice to a machine. So every artist has their own. Uh, you know, their own path to it. You know, that girl needs people to make her music for her and write her songs for her. So she's at the mercy of these guys. And at some point, she'll probably come and go. The minute she starts fighting back or the minute she starts saying, hey, I'd like a little more money, they'll bury her. They'll bury her. She'll end up doing her own exclusive Vegas show before it's over with. You know, she'll go the way that Britney went and all them because that's what happens. It's like, okay, we no longer, first of all, you're you're not the the latest young, pretty little thing anymore. Now you're, an adult, and we're not trying to cater to you because in their minds they're thinking that the money is going to be wherever the kids are, even though the kids don't have any money. <laughs> and exactly, these guys don't realize that they're in the woods with Rambo right now. I'm a one man army. They don't understand. They think that they think that I'm a standard artist that they're going to be able to set barriers up and run over, and but they don't realize that, that I'm in the woods, you know, calculating, uh, you, you know, a plan to really, you know, throw their regime in, in the end of the day because when you have the music. And when you have the fans and you have relationships with the biggest, you know, I don't focus on my relationship with Cumulus because I have no relationship with them. I think it's a matter of time until they're, you know, selling off their stations and, and, and are very irrelevant in the, in the grand scheme of things in this game. 
uh, I'm focused on the, 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 the big, I'm focused on Amazon, who's taken over the world. You know, I want partnerships with these guys. I want to put my, right. put my investments into people seeing that my music's available on Amazon, seeing my music's available in these outlets. It's like I'm taking a different approach. Uh, and and also, that, too. But here's the difference. Here's the difference with all those companies, with Spotify, you know, um, Apple Music, and, and Amazon. Here's the thing. They have young people being the heart and soul of their companies who are still out there listening to new music. They're, they're in touch with everything. They're not these old corporate dinosaurs, you know, who are still, still trying to talk about Tony Bennett's greatest hits and, you know, still talking about stuff and, and all this other stuff. So they, they have the pulse. So they come to them. They're like, you know, first of all, they still have like the youth running like Silicon Valley. And that's who's behind all these. And YouTube. Of course. Well, and let's, let's, let's give props to Daniel Eck. Let's talk about Daniel Eck, the creator of Spotify. You know, I, I, I listen to all his interviews, so I'm really in touch in what his vision is. And I reached out to Daniel uh, about a week ago and had a little bit of conversation with him. Uh, Daniel's vision for Spotify is to create 100,000 or more jobs for artists. He believes there are artists out there like myself, like uh, so many other great artists that are, that are in the studio trying to make music that fans will like. His vision is to create a living for 100,000 artists and not just 100, not just the Drakes of the world, not just the, 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 the Imagine Dragons of the world, you know, the, the, the uh, Universal Records darlings, whoever, whoever they have in a bad deal and they're gouging. You know, Daniel X vision is, I'm going to create jobs for 100,000 artists that, that can be on Spotify and can be making a living, making $100,000 a year. So you, you put right there, you look at the vision I'm going for, you look at the vision Daniel X going for, it's like I'm on the same page as one of the most innovative uh, creators in, in the world today. You know, one day he, people are going to look at him, like, not like a Steve Jobs, because Jobs created so many uh, outlets, you know, he, iPhones and all that stuff, but uh, Daniel X has certainly revolutionized the music business, and he's going to take the business and he's going to give a piece of it to the artist, which has never happened before in our lifetime. Let's let's make a quick pivot here because I want to talk about mental health. I was, I was listening to you talk about that, and I've heard you talk about that in other interviews. And you made a really salient point that stuck with me because I concur completely about how a lot of the mental health issues that we deal with in society is because of the way corporations treat people, treat employees. And most people work for corporations. I think that's a huge statement that's very accurate because what you're talking about with what you deal with in the music industry, a lot of people deal with similar things in other industries. I'm in the fitness industry. We deal with very similar things there where there's certain conglomerates that try to control distribution and control the direction of the industry as a whole. But if you take charge of it yourself, your independence as you are, you can create your own distribution. You create your own moves because you don't have to rely on anyone else. For their approval or their support the world is heading in a creative if you were a creator if you're a creative mind today's society benefits you if you're a creative 100%. mind you come up with something that people love you, it doesn't matter where it, you know it used to matter what what brand it said on it and it still does right. but people love starbucks coffee more than other coffees 100 percent, they gravitate towards it but Starbucks also delivers you a, a sturdy product, you know. I think with the online world, between apps, between online marketing, between Instagram, between websites, you know, if someone can put out a great product now, no one can stop them. No one can stop them. And the problem with corporations is they're constantly, A, trying to devalue you so they can keep 
the rates of paying people at a at a at a you know at a at a next next right. next next kind and of they want you, they want you dependent on them so that you never even think about being independent it's like look you're never going to make that happen on your own this is the kind of stuff i heard when i produced my own videos fitness videos i now i design my own nutrition supplements i can't tell you how many times people would say you're not going to you can't do this on your own this this of requires course. Too that's much the money famous line from every human being on earth because the, the program <laughs> to think that you can't yeah. do it. I heard it my whole life. My right. whole life. Oh, one. I remember being in eighth grade English and telling my English <laughs> teacher all my dreams and him being like, well, there's a 1% chance that you'll ever yeah. be able to even like perform dad. on a stage, you know? And <laughs> yep. I'm hearing about yep. this 1% chance. And that shit used to motivate me. It didn't used to right. shut me down. It didn't used to, it used to yeah. be like, oh, yeah? Well, I'm going to show people that I'm in that 1%. And now I'm dealing with it as an artist. <laughs> I, I believe that with hard work, and with with you know uh, the way that that my my path of my life is going and putting my trust in God and and following what I believe I'm supposed to do, I believe I'm one of the best artists in the world. No matter what, no matter what ranking I'm at, no matter how many people come up, you know, no matter if Shinedown's playing in front of fifteen thousand people and I'm only playing in front of three hundred a night, I believe that I'm always a moment away from writing a record or songs. That are that are going to bump us up to to be to be recognized amongst our peers as one of the best to do it, and and I think that you sometimes you need that motivation. Sometimes those people are there for you just to light a fire under your ass because oh, no doubt when the animal comes out, it's hard to contain. You know, it's like you look at these mindsets. You, you look at Jennifer Lopez. You look at Conor McGregor. You look at Biggie Smalls. God rest his soul. You look at you know, Puff Daddy. You look at some of these people when you when you listen to these people speak. They all have a similar sentiment. They all have a, a, right. a, a sentiment of anything in the world is possible. Use what people say to fuel the fire. There's no, there's nothing that, you know, everybody's going to tell you how hard something is to do. Everybody's going to tell you that you're not going to be something or you can't do something or, the, or it's impossible to do something. And, and you can't just be, a lot of people will believe the people that, people are hearing that every day of their life. And a lot of right. people are giving up on their dreams because they believe these people. If you have one of those mindsets that's just a next level, you know, uh, uh, you know, you got to realize that the, that that the galaxy goes on forever and ever and ever. There's no limitations. Once you realize that there's no limit to what is possible, you you start taking on these challenges. You start being ready to be the greatest at something. You start being ready to to show everyone what you're capable of. And I think that's where I am right now. And it sounds like that's where you are as well. You want to show people that that. Anything is possible, and that, and that we're not limited. We're limited only by what we allow ourselves to be limited by, and that risks risks equal rewards. You you will not right. just wake up on a Monday morning and UPS will not deliver you success. You have yeah. to go and, and and you have to go and make risky moves and take it. That's very well said. I mean, my whole motto is live life aggressively, right? That's the name of my book. What self help gurus should be telling you, and that's you basically summed up that philosophy in a nutshell. So you of have to course. take charge of success. It's, it's all on you. But I like the fact that it's all on me. That, that That's not demoralizing in any way. If anything, it's empowering because I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of, especially at my age now. I'm 44. I've been doing this business for a long time. Had success in many different avenues. So the more success you have, the more confidence you have. But back to you guys. One thing that that you guys have, your band, is you're an extremely tight unit, right? So of now course. is the perfect time for that big spotlight to come on you. Maybe if it happened 10 years ago, it wouldn't have had the same effect. But now you guys are such a well-oiled machine that 
It can only go up. A hundred percent. And it's also like you said, with age you find out who you are, with age you find right. out what you're capable of. I would say that the mindset that me and, and you know my drummer's been with me for ten years and I know he has the same fire and same desire. I wake up every day and and, and I and I'm on a routine that that's nothing like what I was on ten years ago. You know, I'm waking up I um um the things that I'm putting into my body are, are all nutritious. The, thing, the workouts that I'm doing are, are, are next level. I'm pushing myself to be in the best shape I've ever been in in my life. Um, um, the, the things that I'm eating have my skin looking better, has my voice feeling stronger. I'm doing yoga three, four times a week. I'm doing hot yoga. I'm sitting in the sauna for 20 minutes a day, three times a week to get my right. cardio up, to get, my, to get the toxins out. Like, like when I wake up in the morning, I feel like a million bucks. And when I get on the stage, all of the preparation, all of the things that I'm doing, all the fitness moves, all the all the, the stretching, the yoga, the vocal warm-ups, everything that I'm doing, I have so much confidence that I know when I'm on stage, I'm the best I've ever been right now. Oh, sure. And, and, sure. and I've I'm seen working you guys live three that. times. Yeah, you guys are awesome. I've seen you guys live three times. You kill it. And also it helps that I, I think the main reason why you don't have lead, lead singer's disease is because you're not short. You know, that's a big asset, right? I am very <laughs> tall. I, I, I am very tall. You know, you're not five I, foot two. You know? I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm six foot two, so I'm a whole foot taller than those little cunts. But, <laughs> but, I, but I'll tell you another thing that, that that I don't have lead singer syndrome because of, and it's because of my path here. My path here, it, it's taken ten years to get to where I am right now. Maybe eleven years actually. And, yeah. and before we come out now, we always play. It's a long way to the top when you want to rock and roll. And, right. and I don't, I don't, I don't mind being underrated for ten years and and continuing to charge forward and, and take what's ours in this business. I don't mind taking the, the the long road here. I don't mind it. It's it's a challenge to me. It excites me. It, it makes it more real. It makes it more able for no one to take away what I built. No one can take away what I built because it's been ten years of hard work, ten years of learning, ten years of growing, ten years of getting better on stage, ten years of writing better songs. I would say right now today. I'm, I woke up today. I'm the best artist I've been since I've sang any any record, any song. I sing better today. I'm, I'm, I'm in better shape. I feel like my songwriting, my mind, my mind. You know it, what you 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 do supplements and and you're into nutrition and fitness. You're the number one person that could that could attest to this. When you're eating clean, when you're eating vegetables, when you're taking the proper supplements, your mind even operates better. You, you're, oh, yeah. you're, you know, 100%. when I close my eyes to write a song, I'm writing songs that I think are going to innovate music, and I hope that I'm right, but I believe in myself. I, I, I haven't gone through this 10-year journey for no reason. I haven't built this army of fans by chance. You know, I believe in myself. It's like I saw DJ Khaled last night. He was on stage with Jennifer Lopez, and she said... Oh, right when I right when I mentioned this record, you said I know exactly what has to happen in this record. That confidence in yourself, the confidence yeah. in Khaled. Khaled has the kind of confidence in himself that 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 I have in myself when I'm writing a song. I just have to believe in what's coming to me, believe in what I'm going with, and I will change the. I will change. I will be one of the biggest artists in music because I believe in myself. I believe that that's coming. I believe it's a matter of time until I make a record that everybody on this earth listens to and is touched by. It's great when you get to that point in life, and I find that as I get older, I get way more confident because now I'm 44, but I'm stronger, I'm healthier, my hormone levels are better than when I was 28 just learning about this stuff. But the difference is I have all this life experience. I've created a successful business for many years, so you're just 
operating on a much higher threshold in that level of confidence. When people come to me with prompts, it's no longer something where, I mean, I figure it out in two seconds, basically. I look at their lab work. I go, I know exactly what's going on and I know exactly what you should do. Of to course, because you know what else comes with confidence? You know what else creates confidence? Knowledge. When you yeah. are sure of something, yeah. like when I wake up in the morning and I, and I put into my body, you know, when I used to wake up in the morning when I was 23 years old, I'd wake up and I'd eat some Frosted Flakes, I'd drink some water, <laughs> I would, you know, I'd, I'd eat whatever was around me, I'd go to lunch at Quiznos, you know, I'm, I'm out there right. trying to get record deals, eating Subway, you know, um, and, 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 you know, you're, you're plugging along, you're trying your best, you're putting the work in, but now when I wake up, uh, you know, I'm 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 making protein shakes with avocado MCT oil. I'm putting kale and go. spinach in my shakes. I'm drinking, you know, I'm drinking organic green juices. All my vegetables are organic. I'm, you know, I'm eating uh, sea bass, white fish for dinner. I'm I'm really focusing on what I'm putting in my body. And when you start focusing on what you're putting, but and I got to attest to all the people around me. You know, my my wife is a big, uh, you know, that's the way we raise our children. That's the that's uh, my drummer is go, goes on this journey with me. You know, me and him when we're on tour, we intermittent fast regularly. We we. Find Juice cool. places. We're shoving vegetables in our face. We're walking around eating almonds. You know, it's like. <laughs> but when you when you when you're living your when you're living your life like that, and you jump on stage, you feel like there's no way you could put a bad performance on. You feel like there's no chance in hell you're gonna. You're like, you know, uh, you learn at some point that what you put in your body. It, it really comes out. It really, you know, it, it's it comes out in your performances. It comes out in your, no in your intelligence. It comes out yeah. in the way you speak to people. It comes out in the way you write songs. You know, and and uh, when you really start watching the nutritional, I, I, I really. I can praise that end of this to the end of earth. I can praise the nutritional, the yoga, the meditation. It, it's definitely accredited to the reason why I believe right now that 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 I'm in my best form. Let, yeah, let's hear about your workout regimen. Yeah, once you start feeling good, man, it's hard to go back to where you like feeling before. You know, once you're feeling right. like that and you start seeing the difference, there's no way you want to go back to Frosty Flakes first thing in the morning and no you know, down in like some, some orange juice or something like that, man. It's just like hell. You know, I try to like, not even eat carbs in the morning at this point. Like if I eat carbs in the morning at this point, I'm almost like, oh, I threw away a meal. You know, like I don't mean it like that, but you know, I like to I know what you mean. in the morning. You're more, you're more fat fuel. Yeah, you're yeah, more sappy though. I, I am too. I, I do I well eat, on. I want to eat some scrambled eggs and avocado. That's it. Boom. Those two things right. are a protein you shake. Protein, shake you want some protein. You want some fat. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That, that's the other thing is people need to find their metabolic type because exactly. I know people who I know people who eat 80 percent of their calories from carbs and they feel like a million bucks. Now, if I do that, I'm going to feel like I'm hungover all the time. I just don't metabolize yeah. glucose as well as some of those people. And I eat. If I eat higher fat, I eat carbohydrates. I don't do low carbohydrates, but I, I try to get as much of fuel from good fats, like you said, avocado, walnuts, nuts and seeds, et cetera. And when I do that, I feel like a million bucks. Hormone levels are good. Killing it in the gym. My mood is great because I've dealt with depression my entire life. So if I don't stay on top of these things, it can spiral. And nutrition plays a critical role in your mood. Of, co of course, because, you know, yeah. and, and, I, and I don't mean to, to, to chime in on, on your depression your whole life, but it's probably sure. because – a lot of the things that you've been you've been trying to accomplish in your life, you've had people constantly trying to put self doubt into you over. And when you start doubting yourself and you start sitting in a room thinking that that that, that there's no light at the end of the tunnel, you can literally talk yourself into depression, and you can feel right. the, the and, and and I will tell you this, you know, it, it's it's a weird topic of discussion because a lot of people think they know the answer to everything, but. Uh, you know, once you once you start having that self doubt, you can almost feel a group of demons enter. You can almost yeah, feel them so enter true. your mind and start chowing on your weakness. You can start hearing right. the little voices of, 
yeah, man, you you don't have what it takes, man. You're just gonna, you're just you're <laughs> you're gonna true. be broke. You're gonna be broke. You're gonna be alone. And I and I find that the number one uh, thing that for me, this is all personal. Uh, uh, I'm I'm getting deep, you guys, on a personal level. For me, I found myself in that position. I I felt what depression felt like to a, to a pretty severe level. Uh, yeah. One time, I'm pretty. I'm like a California mind man. I'm very relaxed. I'm very uh, upbeat energy, but I'm very like, yeah, man, don't worry about it. And 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 they the, the industry beat me down into a place of depression where I had these demons that were just feasting on me, and I had to turn heavily to faith, man. I had to really go and 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 just literally pray pray to God and 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 ask for for uh, something stronger than me to come and help me. And I watched it. I watch these demons go away, man. I watch them get defeated. So, so I always try to to give you know a credit, uh, the higher power when it comes to 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 everything that I have in this life, from my children to my success, because I felt the demons to a point of where, uh, you know, they they probably would have been closer than anybody in the world realizes to taking me out. No doubt. Well, I mean, you're actually you're actualizing your higher soul too when you do that. In in Sufism, there's a higher soul and a lower soul, right? A higher ego and a lower ego. And if you're if you're dominated by your lower soul or your logo, lower ego, then you're just a pinball in the game of life. And of course, that's depressing because you're just floating through. You don't have a a core philosophy of who you of are. Of course, but they you're almost have their life. own voices. They almost have their own voice. They almost well, they, have their oh, own. I, I know exactly what I, I've well, experienced that too, and I know you have sincere as well. Yeah, you know, exactly. they, they have thing, a voice, really they helps. have a form, they, you know what it's like, yeah. right? They have like a form, yeah. like a phys- you can almost physically, you can almost close your eyes and picture what they're <laughs> looking like, the things that are in your yeah. mind, that the, these monsters, it's almost insane. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why it really yeah. helps to be in the moment, man, and really meditating, really, you know, you know, and as one of my friends say, it's, it's good to do that shadow work and deal with those demons. A lot of people don't want to deal with them, so they try to avoid them. So they, they self-medicate. They find distractions. You know, they find all these different things, of all these different stimuli just to keep them going. They feel like that's helping them, but it's really hurting them. It's like you got to face these demons head on, man. And, and a lot of right. times you've got to get professionals to help you. And that's one stigma that when we start talking about mental health, you know, I noticed that in my community there's such a stigma against black people going and getting help with, you know, with mental health. And speaking of professional, because, you know, it's been like, oh, you don't want to do that for crazy people. Well, look, man, I'm trying not to go crazy. So it's kind of <laughs> like testosterone. It's like, why do you want to wait till you're 67 years old to try to get on TRT and get your testosterone in order when you could have been addressing that 20, 30, 40 years before that? And so you wouldn't have to get to that, that, that stage. So why do you want to wait till you actually lose your mind to then finally think like, okay, well, now we got to, he, he needs to seek a psychiatrist now. When you could have been just addressing that, because a lot of times, look, man, we don't have all the answers. And sometimes you got to help. You got to have someone who's a professional that knows how to pull those things out of you to make you address them. Because as soon as we start feeling pain, look, it's a natural reaction. When there's pain, we want to avoid it, or we want to like just ouch it out right away. So when we start dealing with stuff that that stuff, and we don't want to deal with that, right? We'll find a way to douse that fire out right away. And that's what those demons can just. That's like a free for all for them. They're like, oh, well, you can you, you can use those demons. You can use the demons to be successful too. You don't have to get rid of the demons. The demons are there for a good reason, and you can use just like you can use people who doubt you to be successful. I mean, anytime someone ever told me I can't do something, that just made me more motivated. It, it didn't demoralize oh, me. Oh, of course. You man, also realize how much stronger you are than the. Like for me, I know that they could still be around, but I, I I feel like I've I've evaluated the strength that my soul is. Yeah, the strength that I am. In, and now when I look at those, they almost look pathetic to me. If, if I hear one try to pop up and be like, oh, you know, like, in my mind a demon, I'm just like, you know, I treat it like someone doesn't know what they're talking about. Like, I, you know, it's, 
crazy to talk about because you could sound crazy when you when you when you openly talk oh, about yeah. uh, mental <laughs> illness. But it's also yeah. if I could correlate, to, you know, two things. Thing number sure. one, I I think that the people I've dealt with in the music business uh, up to this point are physical forms of those demons. That's 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 the best way. Yeah. And I and I and, and, and look, I try to warn other artists about it, and sometimes those artists run back and tell on me. Sometimes I'll, I'll I'll try to warn other artists like you're, you're oh. you know you're you're in a deal with the devil or this is going on or this is and and they'll run back to the devil and be like oh guess what I saw Rick Madalita's way and 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 uh, <laughs> you know this is what he said to me you know like they're, like oh, they're gonna man. learn the hard way they're gonna learn the hard way that the person telling them that they love them every day you know uh, one day ten years down the road when they're done with them and they wipe their hands clean that's gonna be their number one enemy so it's 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 a weird. It's a weird situation to gauge when it comes to the people guiding your career because one day they act like they're the most significant person in your career, like you should listen to everything they say. Then the next day they're the number one person you're going head on with. To right. you know, so right. so it's a bit of a weird it's a bit of a weird transition. And thing number two, we were talking about seeing professionals to go get the testosterone and and seeing professionals for help and all that stuff. And some people are just so terrified to go see a professional that it really it really hurts you, man. It's like if yeah. you go see someone that has experience. Like I'll tell you, I have a tale. One time. I was playing college baseball, and I noticed when I got on the field that a lot of the guys were on, on, on juice, they were on the sauce, and I felt like my game was uh, was a little bit insignificant to some of these guys who had to step up on me. So instead of going and seeing a professional, I decided I was going to go and, and buy some side street wind straw, you know, and, and, and I went and I, and I pumped myself full of, of, of a, one full cycle or a cycle or two of wind straw, and, uh, you, you know, because I didn't seek professional help, because I didn't go do what you were saying and see someone that knows what they're doing with testosterone replacement right. or see someone that right. knows what they're doing, the real professional that can gauge your numbers, that can gauge your estrogen, testosterone. I ended up getting yeah. gynecomastia, bro. I ended up getting gyno for oh, yeah. one cycle, yeah. one wow. cycle of Winstrol. Well, Winstrol is important. Yeah, it, it, it was brutal. It was brutal. And, and, you know, you read everything about it, and they're like, oh, it's so, such a mild, so you're going to be fine. Or, you know, it's like you, you're, you're on the Internet. The Internet's almost telling you, like, yeah, you'll be good. Do it. And, and <laughs> even, even yeah. for a couple years for me, it's like no one in the world no one in the world knows what it's like to have to, you know, you're the only one that notices it maybe. You're the only one. Yeah. It, maybe yeah. it's something that – but it's just an absolute confidence crusher. Uh, oh, it's no an absolute doubt. confidence crusher, and it's and it's just it, it it's brutal. So, but I, I what you said hit the nail on the head. It's like if you if you if you know that you're you, that you need to see a professional for anything, whether it's mental mental health, whether it's low testosterone, it's like you need to see someone that that professionally deals with this and does this. And well, I mean, I, I was telling I was telling Doctor Doctor Drew, I was on Doctor Drew's show over the weekend, and I was telling him that every single person that comes in under depression should have a full hormonal profile done as well. Testosterone, pregnenolone, DHEA, insulin, et cetera, because all these things are interconnected. It's, it's ridiculous to me that someone says they're depressed and then they go, okay, let's just put you on Prozac or some other medication without looking at any underlying causes and then just sending that person on their way. I think there's something when your estrogen levels are too high that throw your 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 hormones off so too, badly. Too that high or too low? Yeah, yeah. It's estrogen too high is or too low. Yeah, when it, when estrogen is really high or really low, it feels virtually the same. So when your estrogen is really low, you get a couple things. One, no sex function. Your sex drive is gone, and your sex and your dick doesn't work, right? And yeah. then you can also get you can also get shrinkage too, which is not a lot of fun. And I'm talking from personal experience where estrogen went too low. Now, when estrogen goes too high, it can be similar, 
And then you also get some mood stuff. You find yourself more emotional. Now, maybe that explains why I've been listening to more Billy Ocean right lately. Got to get that. Oh, did, did you just throw Billy Ocean at me? You know what's so funny that you bring that up? I, 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 love, I love Billy Ocean. I'm just joking. I told him, man. I thought I said, his dog looks so confused, but he's playing it, man. Right I'll tell you a funny story about Billy Ocean. Whenever we get in, the, whenever we start a tour, or whenever we're getting ready to do a 20-hour drive, and we start our journey, and we hit the gas, and we're on the road, everything's always quiet, and I and I plug my phone in, and then, and then all you hear is doom, doom, queen. queen, baby. Whenever anybody in my band hears oh, Caribbean hilarious. Queen, they go, Rick, it's your song. <laughs> how could you not? I mean, I don't know how anyone doesn't like the song. You want to talk about putting yourself in a good mood. I listen to that song not every day, but a lot of mornings I make a cup of coffee. Oh, I'm I got with that you, bro. I'm with you. Oh, that's one of my gym. That's in my gym mix. That's when I need a little amp up when I'm feeling like a little, you know, okay, I'm not hitting it hard enough here. I'm about to turn on some Billy Ocean and see how I feel then. That's great. That's great. Yeah, so hormones are tricky, man. And it's, it's, I I get my blood work done at least once a year, especially if I'm trying different protocols. But when you have things dialed in, I'm telling you, man, I wish I could give someone a pill where they feel what it's like to be hormonally optimal for an hour because they would do whatever it takes to get back to that place. The average person walking around is in such a deteriorated state. It's depressing to see. And so many guys now are visibly estrogen dominant where they carry body fat like an overweight woman does in the hips, glutes, pecs, etc. And these these people are just floating through life. They think it's normal because all their friends look that way. Everyone they see looks that way. They're like, oh, well, I'm 40. I'm supposed to feel like shit. I go, no, you're not supposed to feel like nope, crap. You, are you not. dial things in at 44, you're going to feel great. I feel better at 44 than I did when I was 28, and I felt good I at I feel that way, too. I feel better at 34 than I ever have in my life. I feel like my best years are to come. Right. I'm with you. I'm with That's you. Awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, and you crush it on stage. I, I got to ask you this before I forget. Now, were you in a reality TV show on Vegas before Adelaide? Of course, I was. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Yes, because you look familiar to me. So this is before Adelita's Way, and you're in another band. How, well, no, how it was Adelita's Way. It was Adelita's oh, Way. Oh, you were Adelita's Way. Okay, I didn't know yep. that. For, for some yep. reason, I thought it was another band because that was very early in the Adelita's Way inception. It was because Ryan Seacrest did he. Ryan Seacrest heard my demo. He met me in person, and he told everyone at E Entertainment, he's like, this guy's a star. This guy's a star. The music is a star. And he jumped on board. The TV show only had one season. And I'll tell you, look, right, some, right. Of it, some of it is my fault. Some of it is my fault because they wanted it to be very Hills-esque. They wanted it to be a lot of drama. And I'm too right. late back for that shit. So I didn't play ball a lot. You know, they'd be like, Rick, we need you to show up to this place, and we need you to do this, and we need you to do that. And you know, uh, I, I would really give him a lot of kickback. I'd be like, ah, I don't really feel like I would do that. I'm not going to do that. And at the time, I was courting my my wife. So the, the yeah. woman I married, I have two children with. You know, they're trying to get me to hook up with all these girls on this on this show on on E. Right, right. And and, and they're really and which I did one time, and, and I still don't hear the end of it because I, I had to kiss this girl <laughs> on the camera. And my wife's like, well, you, you, you you know, we're in the beginning of date, and then you're on TV oh, kissing girl, and they, and they literally forced me. They literally made me. They were like, it's good for the show. We're, you know, it's gonna fit. You know, they're like yelling at me. So, so for me, it, it was a weird transition in my life. I already had record label attention in Vegas. I already, I was, I was in the middle of 
courting the woman that I married, and, and, and I, I didn't do the show any favors. I didn't do the show any favors because I was too much of myself. I wouldn't create the drama that they needed to have a hit TV show. To have a hit TV show, people want to see fighting and sex and arguing. And right. I just wasn't, I, it wasn't, you know, for me, I told them, like, I want to show up and play the music, man. I want to show yeah. up. I'll be, the, how's this sound? I'll be the entertainment for all the people that are fighting. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> they can come out to one of my shows, I'll perform, and they can fight at it. You know, there, there, there's my role in this show. Hey, man, but, you know, you, that's not too far-fetched because it's funny, like I said, when Mike sent me the email saying you're going to be on the show, first thing came to my mind, I was like, Oh man, I remember this band from WWE. I remember from the Great American Bash. It was like two thousand. Oh yeah, and I, I love that. That was fun. That was in was that Sacramento. Yeah, it was like, yeah, exactly. Yep. I was like nine, Batista, and all those guys. I was like, I said, how funny was it that you know this was during the era when Donald Trump was actually running Monday Night Raw on WWE. Oh, he <laughs> was. Yeah, he set up that view <laughs> that you guys performed on, and look where yep. we are now. <laughs> Look where we are now. You got two disruptors here. You got one disrupting <laughs> politics, and you know here you are disrupting the politics of the music industry. <laughs> but I think things happen for a reason because while you know why I fall in the middle of of you know uh, I'm a little bit and I I never really talk politics with people because I kind of stay silent and listen to everyone else's opinion on it. Right. There 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 are different strokes for different folks. There's situations yep. that I think that Trump is being disruptive on that I that I would be disruptive on. You know when it comes to tr- when it comes to our trade. I have a problem with the way that our company has been, our, our country has just been getting dismantled by, you know, by the trade deficit year after year. It's like we're, the other, other countries are just making, you know, $30 trillion off, you know, and it's like, I think it has to balance out a little bit because at the end of the day, we're, we're businessmen. I'm a businessman. If I was the businessman cutting a deal with China over trade, I'd say, hey, it's a little lopsided right now. Like we need to renegotiate. So there's some things right. that he that he's disruptive on that I would probably be disruptive on. So I see when people are complaining about oh, we shouldn't be in a trade war with China. I'm like, well, if I was president, we would be in that trade war too. You know, I'd be in there like, hey, we we, we have to level this out a little bit. Where all you all you heard about for the past ten years of our life was how in debt we are to China. You know, I mean, it's like right. it's like one of the it's like one of the main factors and. I, the bottom line is China gets over on a lot of us because you go use a Chinese screwdriver, go go try to tighten uh, a bolt up or a uh, screw up with a Chinese screwdriver, and it strips after three uses. You know, so I, I do go and buy American-made tools. I buy American-made tools, and they don't strip, man. They're strong. They're right. sturdy. Right. They're a little more expensive. They're not nine dollars for a screwdriver, but <laughs> you know, it's like you pay fifteen, and it won't strip. So, but there are also things that that. That I don't like, I you know, uh, and we talked about it earlier when you said that that some black men are afraid to be viewed a certain way, and it's like I can't believe that people even see skin color at this at this point in our in our in our lives because yeah. I grew up in Philadelphia, man, where 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 my you know I lived two houses down, we're, we're the nicest Indian people, and I went to high school with so many different cultured people, and and it's like. You, you, people are people. You grow up with them. You you like each individual person, or you don't. So I think with with Trump in office, there's too much focus going on on racial divides, and 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 I and I don't like that because I don't, I never viewed my life as that. I never would look at someone in front of me and be like, oh, you know, they're Indian or they're Asian. It's just like it's just like it's another person to me. And and right. I think there's too much attention going on because I don't think the world is truly like that. I don't think the world is truly like that. Like in Vegas, in my daily life, or when I'm on tour, in my daily life, I see people being good to each other all the time, yeah. of every race, of every color, of every of every age. I see people holding doors for people. I see people helping people who are broke down on the side of the road. I help people who are broke. You know, it's like 
it's like what Little Wayne said. Little Wayne goes, it's so funny that all this racism talk is going on in the world because I've never felt that. People have been so nice to me my whole life. You know, my whole life. And, 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 I, and I agree with his stance. It's like I've met people who, who, who were Italian who were jerks to me. I've met people who were Puerto Rican just like myself, and they're, and they're, the, they're the ones that I've had <laughs> most conflict with. You know what I mean? So it's, 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 I think that there's a bit of a false... Like you said, it's, it's a, not like that. You don't see that in the rest of the world, but you know the biggest issue is when the people see their whole world through media, and the media is telling them like this is what's going on, this is what's right, going on right. in the world. This, this country is very divided, you know. And when when basically your only communication with people is through people sitting inside of a small box and that, that are plugged up to that's plugged up to a wall, then of course you're going <laughs> to think that this world is whole divided, you know, is really divided. But when you, like you said, you're out and about and you see people, you get to see human beings. And here's the thing: human beings are flawed at best. You know, we all yeah. yeah there's always gonna be, there's going to be a jack off here and there. You know, but it, but predominantly the world is full of good people and a lot and most people right. who are even jerks, right. or racist right. or whatever else did not start off that way. They start off with a clean slate. Something somebody programmed them to be that way. And so and the best way to help them is to not stoop down to that level. You know, you got to make them realize. Got to make them realize like, hey, you, I'm really being an asshole right now because this dude's not even right. clapping back right. at me. Right. You know, it's, and they're it's, it's a really rare occasion. It's a rare occasion where someone will show, you know, the media will get to someone. You know, I'll tell a story. I went to Philadelphia a, a couple of weeks ago, and my best friend since I was four years old, he's Lebanese, man. He looks, you know, he, 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 he looks like, yeah, he looks like he's from Syria almost pretty much, you know. Uh, but but he fought in our U.S. military. He was a sergeant in the Army. He loves this country. He, he's so passionate about his his kids having freedom and and he's such a great guy and we were in a we were in like a like a like a bar in philadelphia which is already rough philadelphia is a rough place i grew up there i had to fight a lot even though i, I i'm not i don't like to fight you know I'm, i like mixed martial arts i don't like to fight in a bar i like to go and roll <laughs> around and learn jujitsu and i right. like to work on right. takedowns i like to work on not getting my head stuck into a guillotine and working on different trips i like working on real live knowledge of martial arts so i go to the bar i go to we go to this bar and the biggest dude in the bar is this like six foot six you know guy with tattoos on his neck and uh i don't know if he didn't like me because i looked too pretty or whatever it was but he had a problem (laughs) i'm telling you he had a problem with me and my best friend big time and he walked right up to my best friend and he's like he, he he just he says did you spill spill a fucking drink on me and my best friend's like what and he's like, did you spill a fucking drink on me? And and my best friend is a bad dude, man. He's he's the kind of guy that's in there, you know, getting uh, you know, getting Bellator fighters ready for 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 fights. And he's a wrestling coach. He's like, this guy barked up the wrong tree, pretty much. And yeah. even though he was massive, this guy was massive. This guy was probably the toughest guy in the bar, every bar he's ever been into. You know, the second thing he said, my friend, you know, took took him into a body lock trip takedown, pretty much quick. And and. Uh, you know, I feel like that guy picked that fight with my friend because my friend looks like he is from Iraq. Right. And, and it was it, it, it kind of hurt. It kind of hurt my my. You know, I'm like, damn, dude, look how like these people are so small minded. Some people are so small minded. You know, yeah. it, it was it was kind of one of those moments that I had where it was one of the only times I ever seen something like that. Yeah, I feel like that guy picked that fight because his estrogen was too high and testosterone. Was too high. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm that's thinking so too. Because those are the type of yeah. look, look, man. That's always the reason. When your hormones are off, man, then you you got to go and try to find ways to prove that. Oh, I'm 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 the biggest baddest dude in here. You overcompensate. Just like you know? your friend, when you're finding your business, it's like that's when you know you're kind of optimized. You, you're like, 
Look, man, I'm not trying to start a fight, especially when you know who you are. That's another thing. When you know who You're you right, are. You're right, because the guy was out there lying. He was lying. Yeah. So we, we, he got, my friend took him down. Uh, his friend tried to jump in. I body locked his friend. Did the same, same, we both did the same damn move. I body locked his friend, tripped his leg, <laughs> took him down. You know, we got these two guys laying on the ground. We backed up back to back, dude, like we were like Jean Claude Van Damme double impact kind of shit, you know? We back up. We realize these guys know the whole bar. So me and him are standing right. up, hands up. Right. I'm kind of bouncing around. You know, I start thinking like a nerd at that point, like in a mixed martial arts nerd. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking like he throws a straight right. I'm going to counter with this combination. He throws a jab left. I'm going to hop over it. You know, I'm already thinking of, like, the, the, the strikes this guy's going to throw at me. And I know my friend's thinking the same thing. So these guys are in trouble. These guys are going to come at, throw a sloppy, powerful right hand. I'm going to, I'm going to counter them, you know. Uh, we back up. Uh, we got our hands up. They never come to us. They both, I think, were shocked. They were like, okay, these guys, like, oh, shot yeah. right in for a takedown. They probably know their shit. Like, I don't want to this. We go outside, and we're standing out there waiting for our third friend who was at the bar getting us drinks. And we and I hear this big motherfucker and the dude that I took down out there, and he's like, yeah, man, I punched him. I busted his cheek wide open. <laughs> and they're, like, telling this tale. And my friend is getting mad as hell. He's like, I'm about to go over there right now, dude. He's like, let's go fuck him up. I'm like, dude, I'm like, we're old as shit. We got kids. We got wives. I'm like, we, we, we can't be, you know, uh, we can't be over there fighting these guys, man. Like, we're, we're, you know, I'm like, we can't literally roll up in a parking lot. And I told my friend, I was like, dude, you know we can beat these guys. I was like, we go to the gym. We train, dude. They're, they're, what are they going to throw at us? nothing dude we're gonna counter every shot that they throw and i'm just explaining to him like the the, the, the we're confident i'm like we don't need to go prove anything to these guys dude. Right. they're gonna they're gonna, right. they're gonna all they have is a left or a right they're gonna duck the hand under we know what to do like they can't beat us like you know like let's move on and he was so mad because the guy was saying that he busted him open he was like he fucking told me he busted me open dude i'm like i'm like dude you got three kids <laughs> there you go right <laughs> you got three kids bro let's go I got two little girls at home, man. I ain't trying to go home and be yeah, like, oh, I that's how you kids. avoid the, the best way to avoid bar fights is it's actually actually the best way to avoid fights. Period is never go anywhere where people drink, right? Because that ninety nine percent of fights that happen in Las Vegas is because it's not because someone took an edible. It's not because someone smoked a joint. It's because they <laughs> right. drank too much, right? No one's ever been in a fight in their life because they were too high. No, no you're right. And this is the last city I'd fight anyone in. Dude, everybody's a damn mixed martial arts fighter here, dude. <laughs> Philadelphia's a, a rough city, too. And even if you guys did beat these dudes, you know, who knows what the retaliation no, would be. It's the retaliation's always a gun, dude. It's all, when your well, that's pride right. Gets, that's right. Yeah, when your pride gets hurt and somebody just lights you up, it's kind of like what happened. Dude, we, we body locked these guys. They had no arms. They couldn't throw nothing. We, tri we took them down easily. It was like they were, they were sad about it. You know, they were sad about it. They were like, uh, okay, right. like, you know, you know we just what, got... Man, let them have, let them have their story, man. Like, yeah, exactly. yeah, they have their story, but they, people in Philadelphia shoot you. If they need that story, let them have it, man, because at least one thing about it, they've got their story, and you get to go home to your kids. So I exactly. just feel like everybody, everybody won. Everybody won at that point. And, and, and I don't even want to fight nobody like that, dude. The kind of fighting that turns me on, the kind of fighting that turns me on is you at this end of the cage, you at that end of the cage. Let's let's come out and test our cardio. Right. Let's come out and right. test our grappling. Let's let's throw a couple strikes. Because, dude, mixed martial arts is a game of, of of cardio. You know how many times I've been rolling around with someone and they'll get the better of me just because I'm gassed out. Gassed yeah. out. Yeah. And it has yeah. nothing to do with how hard I punch. How accurate my punches are, how 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 you know, athletic I am, 
you know, because at the end of the day, dude, I, I throw body kicks, head kicks. I throw, you know, jabs. I, I can light people up with, with hard combinations. But it's like the minute somebody comes oh. under, wraps an arm, i got to start defending a takedown. The minute we, we start scrambling. Right. There's been multiple times where I'm scrambling with someone and my arms are, like, burning. I'm like, oh, man, this sucks. You know, like, <laughs> I'm just in the fire with them. And then, and then the bell ring and I'm going out for round two. Round three is usually when if somebody puts more time in than me, that's when it starts coming out. Round three right. is like when, when, when right. I'm like, okay, this guy comes to the gym every day. I'm here four days a week. He's beating me. <laughs> He's gonna which, be which, gym, me. which gym Which gym? do you go to, Rick, out, you, out here, I'm assuming? I've, I've been to a couple of them. I've been to a couple of them. I went to Juan's gym a couple times. Uh, I got lit up okay. there a few times, which is tough, man. <laughs> uh i i feel like i you know i've been over to uh couture over there because one of my best friends uh-huh. in my neighbor his name is bristol yeah. uh bristol maroonday he's on flipping vegas uh, uh the tv show flipping vegas but he's oh, also okay. a pro mix yeah. he's a mixed martial arts fighter he fought in the ufc he fought uh he fought jacar jacare however you say the guy's Jacare, name yeah. is Alfred, you know? yeah <laughs> uh, you know he he fought him when he was a top five uh light heavyweight or middleweight okay. i think he was fighting light heavyweight yeah, middle, middle at the time but in, okay. in strike force, he fought at 205, I think, and that's where they fought. I think they fought at 205 early on in strike force, and, and he lost a five-round decision to him. Well, hey, to go, to go so, five rounds with Jacare is no joke. Right. It was no, he, he is no joke. He's won some big fights, too. Bristol's won some big fights, but he's another one. He's the kind of guy that makes me realize, like, I have no business being in any fights with anyone. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> when I hang out with him, dude, his, his grappling knowledge is on such a next level. I'm like, yo, bro, you can literally kill any human being that you want to kill. He's like, yeah. Well, but, I mean, I, like, I held pads for one of my friends who's a former MMA fighter, Dale Hart. He, he fought in the UFC. He was lower level. He didn't make it to the high echelon. But he's a bad motherfucker, and I was holding pads for him one time, and he was just demonstrating strikes. And he's not a big guy at all. He's a goofy-looking dude. But I tell you, every single time he hit the pad, it was a knockout punch. If he hit the average person with one of those punches, they'd be out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Professional professional fight. People have no clue the level of professional fighters where they're at. You're kicking back at home, eating popcorn, watching the UFC, going, oh, I bet I could do that. No, you couldn't. (sighs) Fighting your little buddy in, in preschool, that's not the same thing as fighting a professional fighter, a fucking trained killer. I had lunch with Matt Brown a couple months ago. He's been on the show. He's a really cool guy. Oh, and I'm sitting, there talk, I'm, yeah, I'm sitting there talking to him, and as, while I'm talking to him, I'm looking at him, and he's got these psychotic eyes, and you just know he's a cool guy, but he's a fucking killer. You know? Well, of course, George St. Pierre said it perfectly on Joe Rogan's podcast. George was like, you know, my friends, they think they know. They tell me things about you. He's like, but they have no <laughs> idea. Like, He's like, you know, mixed martial arts is just so deep and so complex and so, you know, he, he was just really diving into how crazy – the knowledge right. game is, you know, he's like, you know, right. he's like, they'll get, they'll try to give me tips. Like you should have took them down, bro. And he's like, I'm just looking at them. Like, uh, get out of here, man. That people do that. Matt Brown said the same thing. Cause we asked him that question when he was on the show and I go, do people ever come up to you when you're out with your family, minding your own business? He goes, that happens all the time. And it's always some fat fuck with the beer going, Oh, you need to do this. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure your advice is great. Like given the way you take care of yourself. So yeah, well. like, yeah just when you look at the fat guy, It's like, dude, just go eat your chicken wings and, and leave me alone. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. That's, I never give any of those, you know, I never say anything to those guys. I, I, for me, I'm just always, you know, I, I, I walked Bristol out to his last fight. I sang him out. I sang Invincible out. And, oh, uh, very cool. You know, the only thing I ever would tell him is, 
you know, you can do it, bro. Like, go in there, do what you do. You know, like, I could do it. I'm just the encouragement. Encourage, encourage. Good energy. Good energy right. in your performance. Right. You know what I mean? It's never like, dude, oh, you look, man, when he shoots for the left, it's like, and I do know, you know, I boxed almost my whole life. You know what I mean? So so it's like, I know some things about boxing. I know some things about wrestling. I know very little about jujitsu. I know a couple of basic things. Uh, mm-hmm. But with that said, I ain't ever given nobody no advice on, on none of that stuff. You know, I'm, I'm the way, like when we're talking about, I'm talking about basic people. Basic people don't know how to counter a straight left jab. Basic people don't know how to counter an overhand right. Most people that you fight with on the street, the first punch they try to throw at you oh. is the most powerful shot they got, the overhand right. right. It's like, right. It's just a, it's right. a haymaker for the project because that stiff arm is coming way <laughs> wide. Well, it looks like it's coming from a different area code. Like, really, dude? You're really swinging <laughs> that thing at me? <laughs> oh, <laughs> totally, dude. It's, it, it, it usually opens up for... You enough time it, to text your homeboy. You'd be like, look, dude, this dude's about to try to hit me with this right. That's how wide it is. You have time to text your buddy. And let him know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course. It's crazy. And and they don't understand distance either. No, no one, no, no, right. no bar That's fighters ever understand distance. It's like, you know, uh, I always find it funny. Like, you know, I got, I got in a bar fight down in center city, Philadelphia when I was a little younger. And, uh, and, and this kid, we, we had to square up in the middle of the street and, and, uh, you know, like I said, I boxed my whole life. So I'm looking at his feet. I'm, I'm looking at his feet. He doesn't understand. He's looking at me right in the eyes and I'm looking at his feet because I'm trying to just gain the edge on the footwork. Like I'm trying to make sure that my, that my feet are in a better position to strike him where he can't strike me. And I kept hitting him. And I only I hit him twice until I saw him break his will broke. You know he was kind of like okay, like he hit me hard twice. I'm bleeding, uh, <laughs> but he he had no idea about distance. He had no idea about distance. So I'm 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 kind of shucking around him and I'm hitting him with shots from you know from, from real far away. I'm sliding in, hitting him, busting back out, and and I was already way out of the picture before he tried to even throw anything back. And most people don't understand the most important one of the most important parts of the fight game is distance. It's like you can yeah. you can hit someone with a strike from so far out. Uh, that that you feel like they might be too far away from you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but I I, I know how to hit people. Somebody I mean, that's why. That's what Connor's Connor McGregor. That's what he masters. That's what he did. The Jose Aldo. He's the master of that. Just getting, oh, yeah. just getting in, hitting, and then not being there when the retaliation comes. Well, it's because it's, it's his footwork and timing are, are impeccable. His footwork and timing. Oh yeah, it's amazing. You know. Someone gives you an inch, man. It's like why TJ Dillashaw beat Cody Garbrandt. You know, it's like oh, fuck yeah. it was a yeah. game of inches. Right. It was a game of inches, and yeah. TJ managed the, the inches and the timing better. Yeah, TJ managed, a and he also he managed the mental game as well. It's also that mental oh, game, yeah. because when you're so emotionally like charged up, man, that's when you stop thinking. When you just start feeling and not thinking, that's when you're in trouble right there, man. So totally, and also TJ time. has a, a, a more more variety of strikes. TJ's very more well rounded. Yeah, they oh, yeah. It's like his, he has a lot of he has a lot of strikes. He's a lot of kicks, a lot of punch, a lot of different combinations. It was like he's right. he's much more impressive than you know. People must not like his face or something because they don't give him the credit that he deserves. I well, think they, 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 well, they well, created well, this narrative. They, they created this narrative of him being a snake. He's a traitor. And, yeah, yeah, he's a yeah traitor. exactly. He's which is all nonsense. Blah, blah, blah. Because you know people love to be on a team, so and people want to root for a team. And of course, they, they want to feel like they're part of that team. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm. Those are my dudes right there. All their fighters are badass. Like, but you don't even fight. You you live in like, you know, <laughs> but, but Florida, and these guys are out on the West Coast. What are you talking about? Your team? It's, you know, yeah, and it's such an individual sport. sport anyway. It's an individual battle. Right. It's like I Thank I pick Dillashaw. I pick Dillashaw to win both those fights. I picked Daniel yeah. Cormier mm-hmm. to beat Steve Miocic in round one. I I called these fights, man. I have tweets. There's tweets. You go back and look at some of my Twitter action. I have a tweet that says, 
DC is going to win by round one, TKO. I, I called TJ Dillashaw winning both fights, and it's just like, it's not, it's, you know, obviously anybody can get clipped, anybody can get punched lucky, but I think about, okay, let's see it, who's better. You know, when I watched TJ Dillashaw fight Cody Garbrandt in the first fight, I saw TJ throwing head kicks, body kicks, left right. hands, right hands, and I saw Cody throwing a straight right, a straight right, or a counter, or a counter. He was waiting right. to counter the whole time. I'm like, he didn't have what it, he didn't have what it took to put offensive pressure on Dillashaw. Dillashaw could create strikes, was creating... I won't get too much into MMA. I love mixed martial arts. Uh, I know no, just enough about it that, 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 that I call a lot of fights uh, and I call them correctly. I've been wrong a few times, but usually when I'm wrong, I'm letting my heart dictate, you know, like like when Anderson Silva lost to Chris Weidman, like I picked Anderson Silva, but I was like, Weidman might get him. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it was like a, an emotional investment. Well, my, my my thing is, when, whenever I make a pick, but I don't place a bet, I win. Whenever I make a pick and I do place a bet, I lose. <laughs> so yeah, that's usually, I, that's usually the way I, it works. I just, I just make picks and don't place a bet. I find it's a lot more fun. You know? <laughs> yep. Who do, you, who do you have for a Khabib versus Connor? Man, I think I think that all the I think all the talk, I think Khabib's arrogance. I think the way he's going, I'm just going to go in there and run him over. I think he's getting set up for an upset. I think he's getting set up uh, to think, get clipped yeah. with a strike Absolutely. by Conor McGregor, who masters. Yeah. Conor yeah. right now is is he's in there with his coach working on strikes to land dirt when someone's shooting for the takedown. No he, doubt. He, he might hit Khabib 100%. with a knee. There's something coming that, 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 that everyone's not ready for. And I even think if Khabib gets him down and ragdolls him for two rounds, it's like – you know, I'm just I'm going to go with a bold pick, and I'm going to pick Conor McGregor by by uh, landing a strike. I think he's going to land whether it's a straight front kick, straight up the gut, or a knee, or something, or or, or he is going to end up kind of wrapping around him for a takedown and hitting him in the back of the head behind the ear. But the left, I think Khabib's going to take a strike, and he's going to feel for the first time what it's like in his life to to have his lights kind of go out a little bit. So that's my pick for the fight. I think um, he's he's talking far too arrogantly. Uh, obviously, you want to be confident in yourself, but he's he's making it like sure. you know he's done this to a lot of guys. He's done this to Rafael dos Santos. He's done it to uh, some great fighters, Michael Johnson. But K- yeah. Khabib has never really had to fight a, a world champion yet. He's never really had to fight a world champion, okay. so his his Damn. confidence is is a little skewed. And the one world champion he did right. fight, Rafael dos Santos, I felt like dos Santos gave him some problems. Uh, I felt like dos Santos gave him some problems. Khabib had to definitely grapple grapple fuck him against the, the cage the whole fight, right. but. When they were standing up, it looked like two different levels. It looked like it looked like there's levels to this. And if Dos Anjos was showing that much of a skewed level, uh, I think that, I don't think he's really prepared for the level difference that McGregor is going to have in him in the stand up. I think yeah, I think point. that he thinks his his stand up is closer than it is. I think it's like you know. And then also you hear oh, a lot of things is. about McGregor's grappling. It's like I hear all good things about McGregor's grappling. So Khabib, I think, is also under, underestimating that. That you know, that Connor might be able to shuck a takedown off or two and land some shots. You know, I uh, I think he's definitely getting taken down. He's definitely going to go to the mat. The fight's going to go to the mat at some point. Uh, but it's five rounds. It's five rounds, and and I think my prediction is Connor McGregor by by TKO. And one other thing you got to take into account: Connor is well rested. He's just, people really sleep on taking that time off, man. That time yeah. off really, especially these days. Yeah, he's been missing you start getting older. You start getting older, and the fact is, he took time off not because of injury. So there's a difference right there. That's so, right. You know, 
So you, you got time to get your head cleared, get rid of those jitters, not being that workhorse. You're not constantly training, training, training for the next fight, but you're training for the next fight, if you know what I mean by that. Of course. You know, you're yeah. not constantly yeah. in a camp. You know, so you give right. it, your body needs that break, man. So we've we've seen some of these dudes who think like, oh, he's gonna be rust, he's gonna have ring rust, blah blah blah, blah. and then they come back like, oh wow, didn't expect. And that. listen how they all talk about him before they fight him. Dustin Poirier was like, I'm just gonna go in there and I'm gonna <laughs> knock him out and teach him a lesson. And then like, and then like Eddie Alvarez is like, I don't understand what everyone thinks is so difficult about this fight. You go in there, you take the guy down, you pound him out. It's easy money. And and every single person says the same five things about Conor McGregor. Jose I'm going to go in there and I'm going to show him who's, you know, it's like, and then they get in there with him and they realize that he is actually as good as advertised. They realize that, oh, man, yeah. I'm, I, I hated him so much. I hated his banner so much that I looked past the fact that he is as good as he says he is. And most of these guys get in there and they realize that when he's in front of them, that he's big as hell, that he's powerful, that he can hit you with multiple shots, that his timing is awesome. It's like, Eddie Alvarez was in there struggling with him oh, yeah. the whole yeah. time. And before the, the fight, Eddie's like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to press him up against the cage. I'm going to pound him out. And Eddie was making it sound like it was the easiest fight. And then Connor was like, look, I'm going to embarrass you in front of your family. You think you're going to come here and do this? You're going to get embarrassed. <laughs> and then he did exactly what he said. Yeah. So yeah, he did I, think, I think that everybody... Because there are some people that overrate Conor McGregor. There are some people that, that are, like, so super fandom of him that they think he's, oh, he's going to knock him out in six seconds. You know, it's like there's that side of things. And then I think the average mixed martial arts challenger, the fighters, you know, a couple of guys who already have been in there with him, they don't say that stuff no more. When Dustin Poirier or Max Holloway or one of these guys, he, dude, he made Max Holloway look like he was a mid-level fighter, and then Holloway goes right. on to end up being right. the greatest middleweight or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and Connor went in there and, and kind of just chucked him around, punched him a bunch, hit him. Holloway was kind of running away. McGregor was stalking him, hitting him with shots. You know, it was like it was yeah. like level. There's levels to this game. When, you know? when Nate Diaz fought, when Nate Diaz fought Connor, though, he did. He wasn't emotionally charged, and he didn't have all that that verbatim either he wasn't saying well i'm going to go in there and knock his head off he's like kill or be killed man i'm going to go in there and styles kill or, make kill, fights kill too yeah styles make yeah. fights nate diaz yeah. is nate diaz has the recipe to give connor fitz a world-class boxer with jujitsu game for days and that's yeah. you know it's not wrestling it's not you know i think wrestling chad men has wrestled connor and he ended up getting finished it's like right. it, it's, it's right. not wrestling that's it, it's someone that can really really high-level box. I mean, who who have you ever seen? I mean, Dos Anjos and, and Josh Thompson beat Diaz, but they beat him with kicks. Yeah. You know, yeah. but when you look at Donald Cerrone went in there with Diaz, Michael Johnson went in there with Diaz, he boxed yeah. these guys up to a point of where they were, up, they, yeah, were they were looking foolish. They were looking foolish. And McGregor still outboxed Diaz. He still outboxed him. He just he just outboxed him, and, and, and he, he, Diaz just has that toughness level. Like, not a lot of guys. Connor was used to punching guys one time, two times, and then watching their will break. And, and you know, in the first round of, of the first fight with McGregor and Diaz, you know, Connor, you know what it's like. Look, unless you've been in the octagon, unless you've been in a training, when you empty your tank on someone, when you go in there and you're throwing punch after punch after punch and you're going to someone, when you walk back to the corner after putting that many strikes out in a round, you're, you're all the acids in your you're like woof right, right. you're you literally your muscles are flexed you're 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 he shouldn't be gassed because he's a pro fighter but if you look at the output of him in, in round one versus diaz 
that's not the output that he has to normally put against anyone because usually people are out yeah. of there by that point. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he hit Diaz with clean left. Diaz was mashed up, bloody all over the face. Yeah. Styles make fights. Styles that, make that's fights. I think that surprised yeah. Connor too because he thought he could finish him in that first round. And when he didn't, he was like, fuck, man, I just emptied my gas tank. Now I got to go back out there again. And that's and I learned so many things over. about that. And now he's learned on two spectrums now with that fight with Nate. And now he's got, he learned with Floyd, you know, about that. It's like, okay, I got, now I can put those two experiences together and really, you know, learn how to really time it and actually space it out like that. And I wanted to put out. 10 grand on Floyd. I wanted to put 10 grand on Floyd and no one let me. I wanted to put, I knew there was no chance in the world. Yeah, that was, you could have bet your house. Yeah, you could have bet your house on, on that one. Yeah. That, that, that <laughs> was tempting. Yeah, I almost did it. But look, I felt like even though pe- people get excited because they want to root for the underdog, but Right. I was in nah, Stockton. Yeah. I was in, I was no in Stockton for the second fight in a bar in Stockton in Diaz's hometown when McGregor Diaz two happened. I thought that wow. Diaz had a little fight in him. He might have stole a round. He might even stole a second round because Connor kind of took a round or two off. But when I was in Stockton with all Diaz's people, they were they they were all upset. They were nervous during the whole fight. At the end of five rounds, I was in the bar and no one felt good. Everyone was like, "Oh, that's a, that's." You know, some people are like, "Oh, you could argue that Diaz, you won the fight or the second fight." And no one in Stockton at this bar. I was in the bar with 200 Stocktonites that had Diaz shirts on, and no one in there felt like he won the damn fight. <laughs> Everyone felt like he lost three rounds to two clearly. And even yeah. in the last round, they were all just hoping for a finish. They were like, he's got to finish him. He's got to finish him. And it didn't happen. McGregor outclassed yeah. him through five, dude. McGregor outclassed him through five. He knocked him down three or four times in the fight. It was it was just not a good situation for and he, even when they, even when Nate was tagging Connor, it wasn't most of the punches weren't landing and they weren't doing much damage. So even when he had no, him up Connor against the came in ready for that man, he came like, in lighter. Yeah, Rogan's going, oh, he's in trouble. He's got him in trouble. I was like, nah, it, it doesn't. It's not as bad as it looks because he's just throwing punches and Connor's evading and they're just tap, 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 tap. None of them were were hard or knockout punches. I'll, I'll give you my my. Here's here's my take. The first time I saw it, I thought. Nate Diaz won, and I've watched that fight probably five times. I watched it recently, actually, even about a week or two ago. Now I've seen it several times, and each time I watch it, I realize Connor got the better of him overall, three to two. Oh, he landed that's, a that's thousand leg kicks. Yeah. He landed yeah. the bigger shots, a thousand leg kicks. He was landing the clean left hand. He was landing the right. He was he was landing. He was he, the only thing you could say happened is in round four he gassed a little bit, and and that was it. I mean that's the biggest. I mean when someone I heard the next day Nate Diaz couldn't even walk. I heard he couldn't even oh, walk. Sure. All those Connor leg busted kicks. his yeah. leg up. So dude, I heard he landed. You know what was the stats? He landed a hundred and something leg kicks on him, heavy yeah. ones. Yeah, and that was a smart strategy. That was a really smart strategy, just because those, yep. those guys don't check kicks, just take them out. Yep, I might have to go get my my, my little one soon, guys. Any anything? Oh no, no, we'll wrap it up, man. Yeah, we'll wrap it up, man. Uh, what do you What do you have going on? You're about to start the tour with Fozzie, so that's yep. that's starting. And what are what are some of the cities you guys are going to be hitting? Oh, we're hitting the whole country, man. So we're gonna we're gonna we, oh, okay, we start cool. in Alabama. We do Florida. We play Kansas City. We play you know right outside of Chicago, Joliet. So we're kind of making our way through the whole country. Then after that, in October, we're gonna do a couple radio shows. We'll play the coast. You know, Seattle, Portland. Uh, Montana, you know, that whole area, Boise, Spokane. We're going to drop an EP. We're going to drop a couple more songs to everyone because I have so- I'm always writing songs. I have songs that I want the fans to hear. 
uh, and then and then early 2019, we're gonna, we're going to release a, a brand new album, brand new single. The single is going to be called All In. Uh, and and you know, I think uh, this record that I'm working on is 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 going to be definitely. Uh, you know, everyone always says it could be the best thing they're doing, but I really have a mentality that I'm, that I'm really just trying to do something that this, this total next level here. Uh, so I think, uh, 2019 is going to be a big year for, for Adelitas. That's awesome, man. And also you, you guys do some charity work too, right? You've done some gigs where you give money to. I wish I could do more. I wish I could do yeah. more. I've done, I've done military shows. I've done, yeah. you know, I like to, I like to make it so police officers and first responders and military can come see us whenever for, for no cost. I also done, you know, I did a, uh, I played a show for Designers Church here where all proceeds, you know, we charged uh, $10 at the door and all proceeds went to the church to try to, you know, uh, build some stuff for the kids in the church. And I, you know, I'm always down to do charity stuff. And, and for me, uh, I wished it when I was on a major label. I used to really call them and, and say, "Guys, let's do more for kids with cancer. Let's do more. Mm-hmm. Let's do more stuff for kids growing up in rough neighborhoods who, who don't have it. You know, who, who think they don't have a chance. You know, I really wanted to try to do that a lot, and no one ever made those opportunities happen for me. I went and visited right. one school in. Um, I gotta remember where it was, man. Maybe it was in Atlanta, but I went and visited a school one time where, where you know, it was kind of troubled, troubled, you know, troubled children. And I went and I talked to them, and I just let them know, look, I'm from Philadelphia. I see a lot of my friends go through this, and and I felt like I inspired some kids. You know, I also went down to the in Reno. Uh, I played a show for the vets. I went down to the, the veterans center, and I spent some time with the vets, and I played acoustic for them, and and uh, you know, just just uh, you know, really got to hear some of their stories and and sit and talk with them. So whenever I can, uh, I, I like to do charity work. I like to do charitable work. And outside of the, the band stuff, uh, me and my wife regularly uh, try to help where we can. You know, we, we, we sponsor a child in India. We, we give to St. Jude's. I just try to do anything that I can to show my, my gratitude for, for my time on earth and, and, and show my love for other people. That's great, man. That's a great way. That's a great way to end the show. Thank you so much for the time, man. You gave us a lot of time. People really hey, man, got to know back. you. We got to get back on the yeah, show. Man. We can talk about that whole Tijuana situation, man. That's oh, we will get on that too. That's a whole other can of worms. That's a true story. That's a true, true story there. True story there. Hey, thank you guys. I had a great time. All thank right, you, man. man. You have a great one. Good luck with the tour. Keep up the great thank work, you, brother. We'll do it again. Thank Keep rocking. Care. All right, man. Thank you. You take care. All right, that was Rick De Jesus, super cool guy, and I knew he was a cool guy because I've seen the band live many times, and I can just tell by the way he carries himself. I've seen him in a few interviews, but I've never seen him in an interview where he got as in-depth as he did with us, and that's one of the things I love about the long-form interviews of podcasts is that you just you, when you have a long conversation, you get to some real talk, real, and he did right from the get-go. It's not yeah, like we were talking about, we weren't talking about the weather for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so right crazy. Like, soon as he got on, I text Mike, I was like, I said, hey, man, I'm already recording. I said, because yeah, I was like, like, good. he's already flowing, and I'm not, I'm not going to sit there, and, I'm, we're not going to stop him like we normally do, like, oh, let's start recording the show, like, nah, nah, nah. Yeah. I'm you got to say all that stuff again? Shit. Right, you, exactly. you, you're talking for like 25 minutes. Or what are we going to yeah, say? Oh, we, every, hey, we're actually every, not recording every, right now. Exactly. <laughs> can't recreate that energy, man. I was like, nah, bro, I'm already doing it. So this format is a little different. Yeah. 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 So that was really cool. And you can hear their music on Apple Music. It's on Spotify. It's all over YouTube. Well, anybody that was like listening, well, right now, I'm, like you guys are listening now who actually follow us on Instagram, you know, by the time you listen to this episode, you've already got a little sneak peek into this because I was doing an Instagram oh, live. Cool. Yeah, I was awesome. on an Instagram live story while we were talking probably for about a good 15 minutes. 
So everybody, oh, you know, cool. was like, you know, getting a peek inside and listening to some of the stuff that Rick was talking about. So, you know, hey, man, I know you guys now have been ready for the full show, and here it is. And, um, yeah, so that, that's another good thing about, you know, all these different formats that we're on here. Besides, I mean, we did the – I also did the Patreon lens on a couple of those things as well. So, But, you know, those are like Snapchat. They go up, and, you know, it's like for a minute, but then they're gone after 24 hours. But a lot of you guys right. who, follow, you know, who are our Patreon you know, followers and supporters, you're also over there on Instagram as well. So you got to see the actual Instagram story, and I, and I should have be, been able to save it as well. We'll see how that worked out. Because I'm talking in the future right now. <laughs> That's the same. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, I'm Morpheus right now. And I'm pretty much just letting you know that in the future, yeah. you should be able to uh, by the time this episode, again. By the time this episode comes out, you, your, your whole beard is going to be completely gray. We've <laughs> <laughs> had so many episodes. And we have so many unreleased episodes right now. It's like, shit, it's going to be like, man, is that Mike? It's like, fuck, man. <laughs> well, he looks a lot older than when, when they actually recorded this episode. <laughs> Like, yeah, we recorded it five years ago, man. We're just in backlog. <laughs> somebody, hey, man, you know, somebody, we're just trying to let you guys know how it's going to go down in the next Infinity Wars. This is a, this is how it happens right here. We're in the future, man. <laughs> it's a time stone. We're using a time stone, man. <laughs> we we got to get this episode out before that Conor McGregor fight so that people oh, aren't listening oh, yeah, to us talk about you. <laughs> that, that's the yeah. one thing we got to make sure we do. Because the last that's thing the we, we, we want to do is... We stopped talking about fights. Yeah, I know. Man, you guys are talking about the UFC. And we're like, yeah, usually by the time the episode comes out, the fights have already yeah. happened, and we sound like idiots. It's like, wait a yeah. minute. If you're somebody that's new to the show, you hear like, why are these guys talking about a fight that happened three weeks ago? Yeah. <laughs> why are they making predictions? Like about, it's like talking about who's going to win the presidency, and it's been six months since Trump took exactly. office. Like, all right, hey, why, are you, why are you guys talking about that? <laughs> exactly, man. I don't know, man. I think the U.S. has a good chance of winning that Vietnam War, dude. I don't know. <laughs> it's like... I was laughing when Rick talked about that reality TV show because that's how I first found out about when I first moved to Vegas. That show was just popping. And yeah. I actually I forgot about that. Episodes. He brought it up. I was like, oh, damn, yeah. I forgot about that show. He looked really familiar to me. And then I was always curious. I was like, oh, I wonder if that guy ever made it. And then I remember years later, I came across Natalita's Way video. And I right. go, man, that guy looks familiar. And I go, fuck, that's that dude. That's that dude that was in that show. He's crushing it. I was like, wow, that's hilarious. That's cool, man. I like I like seeing people be successful. I like seeing people that where you meet them when they're starting off or you hear about them when they're starting off. And then a couple of years later, you forget about it. And you go, oh, I wonder what's going on with them. And then you look into it and they're crushing it. I love when that happens because usually yeah, and, it's the opposite, and it's still, right? And it's, the energy is still there. So they haven't been jaded. Yeah. You're, yeah. You know, yeah. it's funny that you bring up like reality shows. I, I remember like when Frankie, you know, Frankie Edgar was like really starting to take off in the UFC. My brother-in-law goes, hey, man, isn't that the dude from the reality show on MTV? I was like, and I had to think back. I was like, oh, shit, that was Frankie. Oh, damn, forgot about that. <laughs> well, what reality TV show was it? Was it the bully one or what? No, it was the one where, you know, where they always like, God, what was it like? Um, It was not making it. It was something like, well, basically, these people all have, you know, this dream of what they want to be. And, you know, they, they, they pretty much want to give it a chance or like a, whatever career they're trying to choose. I can't even remember, man. It was so long ago. Um, But the time he brought it up, I actually remember that episode. So it was like all these different people had these, like, I don't know, man, like, a, like oh, I want to be this. I want to be a professional MMA fighter, blah, blah. Right. And right. you know, see them just starting or whatever. So, and then, you know, kind of just going through their company, they're, they're coming up and they just hope that they make it. So MTV is kind of like a platform to kind of help these people get exposure. Almost the same thing that happened like with Rick with Vegas and all that other thing. So, yeah. 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 Like I've gotten about it because, you know, this was a time where, 
you know, MTV was still showing like a few videos. <laughs> so, so it's kind of like the probably like early 2000s or late 90s when he was on that show, man. And then next yeah. thing you know, you know, here he is. It's like now he's a champ. <laughs> it's like oh crap. <laughs> like yeah. we knew like who he was, but now it's like he's a household name. He's you know damn sure gonna be a hall of famer. So yeah, man. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Speaking of reality TV, I've got a Mahlerism that a lot of people will find amusing. I go, once you become a fan of Omarosa, there's no telling how messed up you can get. <laughs> that, that, that may be the microphone drop Mahlerism in the book. That, that may be how I end the fucking book, especially now that she's out there. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be crazy oh. if it's her? I mean, I mean, first of all, I don't think her dumbass book and everything she's saying is going to be what takes Trump down, but wouldn't that be crazy if it is? That'd be the worst justice of all. It's just like, okay, now you're fine. <laughs> yeah. like, how's, how's that for karma? <laughs> it's like, so yeah, okay. we, the, the most opportunistic human being ever in the history of human beings <laughs> is the one. <laughs> you know? I mean, there should be a picture of her next to the word opportunistic. <laughs> and then, I don't know who this guy is who married her, but you're out of your fucking mind. Oh, I know. I was like, <laughs> you, know? Man. You, know, you know what happened to the last guy she was married to, right? Yeah. <laughs> you are out of your mind, man. Talk about, forget about prenup. You need to have it, like 10 different yeah, lawyers create 10 different ones to cover every possible scenario in the world. Because that lady will take you to the fucking cleaners, man. If you two get divorced, you're not going to have a, you're not even going to have the pants <laughs> that you have on right now by the time that's over. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the problem with reality TV is that, see, reality TV was the beginning of this, it was the beginning of, you know, well, that too, but it was the beginning of this Instagram world where every, you know, I'm new to Instagram. I've only been using it for what, maybe a month now. Month, but just looking yeah. around, looking at what people do on it, they're they're basically trying to create their own reality TV channel. In other words, their page is here's a picture of me doing this. Here's a picture of me doing that. Here's a video of me doing this. Here's a me a video of me doing that. And hey, I like to have fun and put up funny clips too every once in a while. But that's not what I'm doing every fucking day on there. That's for damn sure. But that's what a lot of people are doing because they feel that this is what you need to do to get your brand out there. It's like, if I'm not on a reality TV show, I'm going to make my own because this is what people want. And, it's, it's, and it's, trust it's, me, some people have been, some people, you know, actually finagled that and been successful at that. But it's a minute, oh, no no minute few, you know, and, and the thing is, they already had something already before they started doing that. They already had this, this thing already. And a lot of these people who are trying to create one now, they don't have that thing. It's not there. Right. There's, right. there's nothing engaging about them whatsoever. So that's why they have to stoop to different tactics like, you know, just being very sensational as possible, showing as much skin as possible, making it making their right. channel short of just a porn channel. I'm like, you know, they have yeah. a website for that. You can actually create a channel on Pornhub now. You know that, right? You don't have to be on Instagram doing that. So that, that's the only issue that, that's happening right now, man, with a lot of these folks is that they really they don't have that thing. They, you know, it's okay. Shoot your shot if you want to give it a try, but also know when you got to just go ahead and fold it, man, and realize like, okay, if you still talking about, here's the thing that kills me is when someone's on Instagram and they say that they are a social media influencer, and I look and they have <laughs> seventy five followers. I'm like, who are you influencing? Well, seventy five people. <laughs> they're professional, you know, social media influencers, and hire them as a coach. I'm like. Dude, are you serious right now? You're not even like an assistant coach. But you're not even a trainer, okay? <laughs> or the fucking water boy at this point. Like, why would anybody want to reach out to you? You don't even have that many followers. But but you, you know what's funny is the opposite end, though, where I, I know people who have 300,000 300, followers, 
And these people don't make dick for money. They're not making $300,000 a year. I can tell you that much. They're not even making $30,000 a year. So I think people overvalue social media thinking that this is what I need to do to build my business. And sure, it can be used effectively to build your business. But just because you have a lot of followers doesn't mean any of those people care about buying anything you have to offer. They just just want to fucking interact with you on this format. They're not, they're not interested in buying any of your products or services, or at least a very small one more percentage. Tool. It needs to be one more tool in your toolbox. That's what people need to That's understand. That's right. Don't let, it, don't let it be your end-all, be-all thing, man. It's just like one more – this is just one more leg, one more branch of getting out there. So, therefore, yeah. you, don't have, yeah. you don't have to depend on this one thing, no matter what the tool is, to try to make it. You've got all these different things, all these different parts. It's just like income. It's like I had put that post up about all these streams of income. It's like don't sit there and just think that stocks is going to be the only thing you need to, you know, to be financially successful or, right. you know, or right. real estate right. by itself. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. you got to at least have – you know, they always say that, you know, all of the most successful people in the world have at least seven streams of income going on. You know, my thing right. is, even if you start off, if you just get two or three, you're off to a good start. You know, yeah. and make sure that and just like your portfolio should be in stock, it needs to be diverse. So don't just put don't have three means of income coming from the same industry, the same source or something like that, because otherwise that's not three different streams of income. It's just like one thing is giving you three paychecks. Okay, so it's kind of like kids. It's like if you know every kid in your house is working, they're they're under eighteen, you know, and you're taking their money, then you can't keep depending on it because one day those one of those kids are gonna move out. So you need to like you need to go invest in something else. You can't depend on those kids, man. <laughs> they're volatile at best. So come on, you gotta be a little smarter with your with what you're investing your time and money into. Yeah, I, I'm a strong I'm a strong believer in diversification for all the reasons you mentioned, obvious reasons. I think the mistake people make is they diversify too soon. And what I mean by that is you're like when I first started my fitness business, I focused on a few things. I focused on kettlebell workshops. I did some online consulting and I wrote articles for magazines as a, as a powerful promotional tool. And it's still a, a very powerful promotional tool if you're writing for high traffic websites. Right. As, as my business progressed, I diversified quite a bit. So I got into hormone optimization, supplements, et cetera. But if I tried to do all those things initially, it would have been a big clusterfuck, and it would have failed on multiple fronts. You know, there's no way I could have designed and sold nutrition supplements successfully in the first five years or even longer of me and my fitness business career. It's been about 16 years now. Yeah, it's like, well, first of all, you haven't even established yourself to even have that knowledge. You just would have just come out right. and like, Yeah, exactly. Oh. It would have been garbage. I would have created nonsense. It would have been like some shitty product. And then, and then nobody would have bought the good stuff later because they would have been like, oh, man, I remember, right. remember when he came out with that one product? That stuff sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't the dude that came out with hot stuff? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, if you got the first batch of hot stuff, you were happy. <laughs> That's why I can't tell anyone I've never done steroids because I used the first batch of hot stuff, which fucking had steroids in it. So I can't even say that. You ever use steroids? Yeah, I used hot stuff. <laughs> well, that was over the counter. It's like, yeah, and your point is what? <laughs> you know? like, the first people, like the first people that took metrics when it came in two separate containers, and ever, they, they, they sold it as a nutrient partitioning agent, which is a fancy way of saying – Helps burn off fat while you hold muscle, right? Build muscle, burn fat. Right. Now, why the fuck would a protein powder build muscle and burn fat? It's a protein powder. <laughs> and the reason why is because allegedly it had clenbuterol in it, which is a powerful fat-burning drug that a lot of bodybuilders use before contests. So they had a dosage of that in it. So people are taking this glorified, this expensive protein powder and going, man, I'm, I'm, I'm losing body fat. 
I'm holding on the muscle. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it didn't work because bait and switch is very common in the supplement industry. You put something in there that is either illegal or a gray area. It's definitely illegal to have it in there, even if it's a gray area, especially if it's not mentioned on the label. That's a big problem. But what they do is they put it out there, a shitload of people buy it, word of mouth gets out, and then they do that bait and switch before the FDA comes or before any kind of governing body comes and looks into it further. This is a very common scam in the supplement industry. And it's one that still happens now, which is why you often hear people saying, oh, I used to, I love that product when it first came out, but you know, it's not as good as it used to be. It's like, well, there was probably a special ingredient in there when it was good that's not in there now. So it's just always funny because uh, when I, I posted, um, I was holding a bottle, of, you know, of the aggressive strength. And then you know, basically, you know, all these guys are like, oh, man, you know, does it work? Does it work? I'm like, okay, especially some people that like have actually gone to like our workshops before. I know. Or, you know, I was like, really? Really? Where have you been? <laughs> or they were like, oh, man. So and the crazy thing is like uh, a couple of like, so are you? Do you do you use that? I'm like, dude, look on my feed. How many supplements do you actually see on my feed in the four years I've been on Instagram? Pretty much none. Okay. Also, so why, why like, would you post? Why would you post a picture of of you holding a bottle holding that you it. don't use? No, it's like no. I'm just taking. I just use it for posing pictures. <laughs> like, look, dude. Somebody, the problem is, somebody, that bottle I'm holding in my hand has like two days left in it. Okay, so what you didn't see is the sad. You don't see the sad look on my face as I'm holding that bottle. Because we'll get, we'll get like, a little. We'll get a little package out to you ASAP. Don't I was like, worry. Oh my, it's coming to an end. I was like, so you know, on top of that, you know, now that you, especially after you just posted your freaking post, your, your test results, I'm like, and I'm about to go into my, I'm about to go into a month of not having, you know, why I have to like cycle off of it. I'm like. Don't show me that shit when I'm about to cycle off, dude. Come on, man. Well, actually, it's a perfect time because uh, I'll talk about this briefly. I, w- I want to do an episode with you where we just talk about my most recent blood work and following Dr. Gordon's protocol. But just full disclosure and real quick, I did – after Dr. Mark Gordon was on the last episode, he talked – those of you that listened, you noticed that he talked about Clomid. He uses it himself, and a lot of his clients use Clomid, which is a fertility drug. It's a selective estrogen receptor modulator. So what it does is, is it lowers – estrogen levels in the brain and that tricks your brain into increasing luteinizing hormone and fsh where these are these signaling hormones that tell your testes to produce more testosterone so in addition to being a fertility drug it's also a nat it's not natural because it's a drug but it's a natural testosterone booster meaning that it's not exogenous like testosterone replacement therapy is so anyway I, like yourself, just finished up a, actually, I finished up a 12-week cycle of my testosterone booster. I went longer than I normally do because I was in an intense training phase. And then I go, okay, now is a perfect time for me to try this Clomid because I had bought some before when he came on before that episode and talked about it. And I played around with it. And honestly, I didn't feel good on it. I was taking 50 milligrams a day. I go, I feel like crap on this. Maybe my estrogen levels are too low in the brain. I don't know, but I feel like crap. So I quit after a couple of weeks and I, I didn't throw it away, but I just threw it in the cupboard didn't think about it. But when he came on the show again, and he gave us updated information on how to use it, 50 milligrams every third day, I go, okay, I'll I'll try that again. I'm going to try it again, and I'm going to get some blood work done. And I didn't want to take it with my testosterone booster, because then I don't know what's doing what. I don't know if there's synergy or or what, how much is coming from what. So I go, now's a perfect time for me to use the Clomid. And I was taking pregnenolone, 50 milligrams oral that he mentioned. And I took DHEA cream, because I came across this compounding pharmacist who has his own DHEA that he sells in a cream format and it works very well. Most DHEA creams don't work well at all. I've tried them in the past. Doesn't even doesn't bump up DHEA at all. This cream worked really well. So what I did is I stacked these three 
And the results were amazing, man. Total testosterone is 900. And to give you some context, my testosterone booster takes me around 600 to 670, which is a good number, but 900 obviously is a way better number. Free testosterone was 120. Free testosterone when I take my T-booster is in that ballpark, 90 to 120, right? So it's it's similar. The total was definitely higher than I get out my own T-booster. So where I'm going with this is, and I was doing 50 milligrams every third day. So my attitude is I'm going to cycle between the two products. So when I'm going to use testosterone, my, my aggressive strength testosterone booster for eight weeks, Clomid for eight weeks, and just keep going back and forth indefinitely because my testosterone is always going to be high all year round, which is what you want. You don't want your testosterone high for a couple months out of the year, and then it's not high for the rest of the year. You want it optimal all the time. And I'm 44 now, too, where these things become a lot more important. Yeah. We're having high testosterone, high testosterone estrogen ratio. Plus, I feel way better. When my testosterone's high, I feel really good. And I've been feeling really good the whole time I was doing this. And it's not just the clomid on testosterone. It's the fact that the DHEA number was way higher, too. Usually, I'm on not the low end, but towards that. Now, I'm on the 370 out of a scale of, I think, 180 to 470. So, it's it's not off to scales, but it's towards the upper three-fourths, which is what Dr. Gordon recommends. So, those, And DHEA is the ultimate stress management hormone. So when you, man, when you have good DHEA, your cortisol is lower, your workout recovery is going to be better, your mood is going to be better. So anyway, it's this stack that's working really well. What's really interesting is my cholesterol, total cholesterol was only 135, which is the lowest I've ever seen it. Last time it was 155, but I'm not someone who is necessarily even trying to lower cholesterol. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... I've always felt that a cholesterol of 180 to 200 is important for testosterone levels and hormones, but I'm starting to rethink that because I'm thinking my testosterone is really high and my cholesterol is low. And cholesterol mm. converts into testosterone when you have a good amount of fats in your diet, which is like olive oil helps convert cholesterol into testosterone. And where I'm going is that the more cholesterol you convert into hormones, the less you're going to have floating around your bloodstream. So I think, and it's a working theory that people with really high cholesterol, it could be a desperate attempt by your body to produce sex hormones. The problem is the conversion is not happening, so it's just building up in your bloodstream. I think I brought that up with Dr. Gordon. He goes, that's a very convoluted statement, Michael. I'm not going to address that one. That was a be convoluted, but I bet it's fucking right. So you, you doctors need to catch up, man. I'm researching this shit. I'm thinking about this shit all day long. You guys are out there jerking off, giving prescriptions to people. Yeah. Better listen to what I'm saying. I know people are going to ask because, I mean, we yeah, we brought this up many times on the show. But, of course, before you do any of this stuff, you get tested. And I know that people are still going to ask, like, you know, where can I get my test? Because I know when people saw that post, they're probably wondering, like, okay, where are you getting your testing done? Especially for people who don't have insurance. You know, because right. a lot of times they ask me, I'm like, well, I use my insurance, but, you know, and they all come from the same freaking lab, but at the same time. Yeah, you know, it does. These days in time, a lot of people are losing their insurance or, you know, things like that. So, like, where are you getting your labs from, man? Like, well, where are you getting I got your a, I go to directlabs.com, and you definitely sign up for their newsletter, directlabs.com, because they offer discounts all the time, 20 30% off. A lot of times they have this, I think, I think during Christmas or I forget which part of the year, they tend yeah. to have these really aggressive sales. And what I do is I just buy a bunch of tests and then just – keep them on file. Like life use, yeah, because they, like they don't life. expire. So I, I could buy a test from them today and use it five years from now. No big thing. Uh, 
You know, yeah. so uh, I, I, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure that's correct, but I know that it's not it's not something that expires, let's say, in three months or something like that. Right, it's, right. It's, it's I think you like results. It's a test. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <clears throat> so you so do I, a lot I do of that. A couple of reasons why I do that is one, I don't need doctor's feedback. I can interpret the results myself. Two, I don't want to have to make an appointment with my doctor to ask him or her to run the test for me when I can just do it myself. Direct labs, you get those results back fucking fast, man. I, I got, I did, I had the blood drawn on a Wednesday. The following Monday, I had the results already emailed to me. Nice. So it's, it's fast, man. It's really good. And then I do, I do the comprehensive male hormone panel. So this, this test, IGF-1, testosterone, free and total, DHEA. I had a couple things added to it, vitamin D3 and insulin, because my D3 was low the first time I ever tested it. It was, it was actually really low. So I was like, fuck, I need to amp up, ramp up my vitamin D3. And then there's vegan vitamin D3 options available too. MRM company makes it. So I took 5,000 IUs for a couple of months, got retested. It went up, but it wasn't in the optimal range. So I doubled that 10,000 IU and I did that for a year. And my vitamin D is perfect right now. It's 64. And you want to be above 30, hundreds, the high end, 64, boom right there in that upper three fourths so it's or close to it. So it's it's a really good number. In fact someone was telling me that I when I posted my blood work on on Twitter the other day, this one lady chimed in, she's like, Wow, that's a really good vitamin D number. And then vitamin D is important for a lot of things, mood, hormone health. In fact that could be a contributor to the higher testosterone levels as well. Because having yeah. if you have low vitamin D, it doesn't matter what your testosterone level is, it'll improve when you improve your vitamin D three levels. So that that could be another factor in addition to everything I I talked about. So anyway, it's fun, man. It's fun to play around with this stuff. I always enjoy tinkering around with things, trying different protocols, doing the lab work to see how it works. Because otherwise, it's how you feel is important. Yeah, how you feel is important, but you want to know why you feel that way, right? It's one thing to, oh, I feel great, man. My sex drive's good. My mood's good. I'm killing it in the gym. That's great. But I like to know why I'm feeling that good. You know why? Because I want to keep feeling that good. (laughs) A lot of people feel good. And then they don't feel good and they don't know how to get back to feeling good because they don't know what was going on when they were feeling good. You know, you, right. When you feel good, you want to make sure you know why you feel good because that's where you want to get back to. Exactly. And like I said, you, know, you want to actually know what it is that you, you know, you want to know why you're taking what you take. Don't just be taking yeah. what you're taking. You know, just like, oh, this sounds good. Let me, let me take this. You know, oh, Especially if you're taking prescription drugs, you know, if you, if yeah. Clomid's a prescription drug, right? This is not something you go to CVS and buy. You have to get a doctor. Well, prescription actually, I think you can get a, I think you can get it from like Walmart over the counter or whatever. But I think you're going to send your wife to go get it. You know, you need to, <laughs> yeah, but she's yeah. going to get a facility, and I think you know you can get it from there. But again, you know, oh, okay, that's yeah, yeah, you can get over the counter like at Walmart and things like that. Really? And okay, that's interesting. It's a generic brand, so yeah. And even yeah, but I think, it can't it can't be literally over the counter, right? It has to be something where maybe oh, they yeah, can just go to like, pharmacy. It's not like we okay. the Tylenol. Yeah, but the right. thing is, but but you don't need a prescription to get it though. I think y'all you know, okay. just even, even without insurance, I think it's like fourteen bucks. Oh yeah, it's not expensive. It's not expensive yeah. at all. And uh, people ask, well, what about side effects and all that? And Dr. I asked Dr. Gordon that when he was on the show, and he said that at 50 milligrams every third day, it's, it's such a low dosage. You know, most people were, are taking 50 milligrams. Some people take 100 milligrams every day. And these are usually people that just finished a steroid cycle, so they want to reboot right. their natural production. I mean, in fact, that's what a, most body – most bodybuilders use Clomid as a way to rejuvenate their natural production after a steroid cycle. They don't use it in and of itself. In other words, they're not going, oh, I'm, I'm just going to take test- Clomid as a testosterone booster because 
an increase in testosterone is great, but it's nothing compared to what the anabolics give you for what they're pursuing. <clears throat> but for the rest of us, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in that. I, I have no desire to ever take anabolics, especially at this age. And there's, there's nothing that it would offer me that I care for. I'm not trying to get bigger and massive and all that. I want to be healthy. I want to feel good. I like lifting heavy weights, but I want to feel good and I want to be healthy. And right. Clomid could be something that many people listening want to consider. Go talk to your doctor about it. Do a consult with Dr. Mark Gordon. Get some blood work done. See where it goes. I would, like Tim Larkin was asking me the other day, he's like, you know, when should someone do TRT? And, I, and I, I look at it this way. You know, if you're unhealthy and so forth, clean up your diet, start training, lose body fat. That's going to have a profound effect on all your levels. Now, is it going to get you to optimal? Not necessarily, but you're definitely going to improve. So you do that first, right? That's the big picture. Then you start adding in things such as my supplements, like my aggressive strength testosterone booster, which is over the counter, works in a very similar fashion to Clomid in terms of your, making your brain communicate with your testes better, converting cholesterol into testosterone. And then it has a bunch of other things in there that help with cortisol and insulin sensitivity, growth hormone levels, freeing up testosterone. So that's a great adjunct right there. Now, you may take my testosterone booster, and let's say you have a total testosterone of 400 and it goes to 550. Okay, 550 is a pretty good number, but it may not be the best number for you. You may need to be at 800 or more to feel great. And you don't know until you're at 800 or 900. So you could be at 550. You're like, yeah, this is good enough. And then maybe you take Clomid and boom, it bumps you up to 900. You're like, fuck 550. This is awesome, man. <laughs> You know, and that's how I feel right now. My testosterone booster takes me into the 600 plus range, which is a great number, especially for my age. And it's actually a higher number than when I was in my late 20s when I first started down this path. And I feel great on that. But since I've been following this protocol of the DHEA cream, the Clomid, and uh, the Pregnenolone, plus I've been doing a great workout regimen where I'm deadlifting four times a week, but working on practice, nowhere near to failure. So that's working really well. It's just a lot of different things that are work that are going on really well now for a nice synergy. <clears throat> so this is, I basically, I know exactly what works for me and where I'm going long winded way of saying you need to try stuff and figure out works, what works exactly well for you. And I think what you and I do is narrow the scope of that, of that mystery of that search rather so instead of having to scour the internet and try all these different things and waste so much time on stuff money. that doesn't work, and money. I mean, there's nothing worse. Can you imagine buying a testosterone booster and that you've never tried before and then you spend, okay, I'm going to do this for three months, I'm going to get tested. And then you get tested and your numbers are garbage. Maybe they're worse than they were before. They're going worse, yeah, they're going the other direction. Yeah. You're like, what? what a waste of money. And then during that three months, you could have tried my tea booster or you could have tried Clomid. You could have tried something that works that we've mentioned on this show. And you probably would have had really good results at the end of the three months. You're definitely stacking the deck in your favor. So I think the best thing that people like us can do is narrow the scope of your search, allow you to pinpoint on a few things, and then build from there. And there may be people who try, who they see my, they, they hear me talking about Clomid. They're like, fuck yeah, man, I'm going to buy that today. And I want 900 testosterone level two. And then it doesn't work well at all for them, and they're totally demoralized. It's only going to work if your testicles work, right? So in other words, if, 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 you're, if you have very low, if you have very high luteinizing hormone and FSH and you have very low testosterone, that means there's a disconnect between your brain and your testes because the signaling hormones are there. They're just not making it to where they should be. Right. So you're probably not going to respond well to my testosterone booster or Clomid because they work the same way. They make the brain 
produce more of these signaling hormones to get your testes to produce more testosterone. That's how they work. In that case, TRT is the only way you're going to get your testosterone levels into a healthy range. And it shouldn't be something you feel bad about at all. You know, who the fuck wants to feel like shit? You know, if it's not a bad option, it's not the first option that people should go for, but if it's the option that works well for you, it's definitely one you want to do with a doctor like Dr. Mark Gordon, someone who knows what they're doing, because you're going to feel so much better. Just look at the people that he's had with PTSD that have had head concussions and they have zero testosterone production. Clomid's not going to work for those people. TRT does though. And not only does it work, it works on the first dose. They get a shot. They feel better immediately. So what are you going to do? You're going to say, well, I don't want to take anything exogenous. You know, I want to ramp up my own production. Your, your own production is nothing. And it's never going to come into an optimal range. So you're going to waste the rest of your life trying to figure out this conundrum. Or you can do something right now that we know works and is going to make you feel better immediately. There you have it. The bonus episode right there. Yeah, exactly. We don't, we don't have to do that separate episode now. I just yeah, did it. Actually, <laughs> yeah, actually, I just take this off of you know this episode with Rick and just make this a bonus episode and just yeah, yeah, let's do that. That sounds good. So, yeah, so there, yeah, let's just go ahead and do that now. And now, of course, now that I've stripped it away, people are like, "What are you talking about? You've already." <laughs> Again, I'm in the future, dude. Catch up with me already, all right? Although, otherwise, people are gonna people are gonna be Rick's fans are gonna be tuning in to hear about him, and all of a sudden they're like, "Wait a minute, what am I listening to here?" You know, Rick's gone. These guys are still talking. What does this have to do with Adelita's way? Well, it has to do a lot with Adelita's way. Look at all, look at how motivational their songs are. Take that motivation, optimize your hormones, go do some shit. There you go. Well, listen to Rick's enthusiasm. Look at how you approach. Look how how you right. take on life. It's like somebody's testosterone is definitely optimized. Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah, man. I mean, I that love is not a dude. That is not a dominant dude, man. Okay. The second he came on and started talking, I was like, "Fuck yeah, this is going to be a great episode." Because you never know, right? Because I mean, I don't know this guy. I've never met him. I've seen his band live a couple times, but that doesn't mean anything. He could be the most boring guest ever, or he could be a dick. You know, you just don't know. So you you right. you try these things out. You go, okay, I think this guy would be a good fit for the show, and then you don't know until they come on. Most of the time, it's we hit home runs with guests. I mean, they come on yeah, and exactly. it's a great experience. And he is no exception, man. He came on and right from the get go, I was Crazy. like, wow, this is going to be great. Yeah, was, yeah, so usually much we, to we say. have to do a little warm up. Usually we have to do like a little warm up before we start recording. You know, kind of you know just feel each other right. out. Dude came straight out the like, yeah, man. And I was sitting that there, took me back. Like, dude, I was like, I was like, oh shit! I was like, okay, he's flowing. And I said, he is not taking a breath. He has not used one punctuation mark. I said, let me start recording right now. I said, there's not going to be a chance for Mike to say, hey man, I think we can start right there and get the show. No, you're not going to get that chance this week, buddy. So I need to go ahead and record now. Yeah, I know. I, I wasn't even going to try to. You know, that's the thing. You and I were on. You and, and, you and I you, been doing the show so long. We're on the same page because. I, I wasn't even going to try to stop him and say, hey, man, let's start recording. That's why I just I just wanted to make sure we are recording. So I asked you, I'm like, hey, are we recording? You're like, yes, we are. Cool. We'll check back. <laughs> yeah, man. When someone comes on like that, you, the last thing you want to do is be like, oh, we're not recording yet. Can you repeat all that? Because it's now he's got to oh, remember what he said and he's got to, you know, fuck that, man. He's got to remember what he and just said and try to re-deliver it. Yeah, I've seen people do that before, man. Like, you know, I've listened to podcasts like, okay, so, you know, we were talking about blah, blah, blah before we started cooking. Can you go over that again? I can hear the person just feel demoralized. Like, yeah, so what I was saying was, I was like, I'm pretty sure yeah, that wasn't as as we <laughs> Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so that was cool, man. I, I always say the best thing about doing this show has been 
just the networking. I mean, just look at the people we've had on the show. People like Robert Green, people like Dr. Mark. Mark Gordon, people like Ty Ritter, people like Rick. I mean, you yeah. get so many interesting people that you never would have met or talked to if it wasn't for the show. And then think about the listeners. A lot of these people they've never heard of. And then they wouldn't even think about listening to an, an interview with Rick or Dr. Gordon, but they hear them on our, they hear these guys on our show. They're like, wow, these people are interesting. Right. Yeah. People should be fired up listening to Rick, man. I mean, people, people are like, well, I'm not in the music industry. What does that have to do with me? I was like, you're missing the whole point. I mean, everything right. he said was so universal. Thank so, you. Somebody, yeah. Here's the thing. Next time, the next time you listen and you hear the word music industry, put whatever industry you're in. So, yeah. so that's what you do. Yeah. Just do that right there. Just just treat it like a game of Mad Libs, like that, like having Mad Libs like when we were kids. You know, you have a little blank, you just fill it in. Everybody was always different for the most part. That's all you got to do, man. So anytime he says like, I don't know, records, you know, record labels, or if he says like, you know, radio, just put whatever it is that you that you're into. And then where he is, just put your name right there. And then ask yourself, like, is this true? Am I feeling the way that he's feeling about this? You know, about the industry that am I feeling the way about the industry that I'm in? By putting my name in those blanks and putting that industry in that blank? If so, then right. guess what? It's universal stuff right there. You can dress it up any way you want to. Put a label on it any way you want to. There's still universal principles going on here. Yeah. So you gotta dig, you gotta get beneath all the, the dressing and the clothing yeah. and all this, fill those layers and realize all this crap is still the same. Like, like I always say, same crap, different toilet. That's all it is. Right. Man. Right. And on that note, yeah. speaking of crap and diarrhea at the mouth, it's time for us to shut up yeah, and wrap the show up. <laughs> All right, folks. Hope you enjoy that one. You take care. Share this with everyone you know. Go check out Adelita's Way. If, if they are coming to your town, go see them live, man. You're not going to regret it. I've seen them live three times. They're awesome. They're a great band. Rick's a great front man. Great music. A lot of people go, man, all the, all the bands Mike and Sierra Sincere have on, it's always hardcore or thrash metal or something like that. This is a band, trust me, that those of you that don't lean towards the heavier, heavier side of stuff are going to really enjoy because it's just straight up rock that's, that doesn't sound like anyone else. They're doing a great job. So check it out. Yep. So on that note, you guys all know all the things to do. You know the website. You know you need to go join Patreon if you haven't already done it. You know you need to be sharing all the stuff on show, social media. You need to be following us on social media. And you damn sure need to be following Mike on Instagram because he's there now. <laughs> so enjoy it, enjoy it while you can because who knows? He may bail out again. No. Like I may. <laughs> <laughs> nah, actually, I think you're having way too much fun with it this time around, man. I'm uh, I am having fun with it. That's for sure. Yeah. I am having fun with it. <laughs> so Yeah, man. So in case you don't know, it's um, give me your Instagram handle so people don't just know. Mike Mahler, 73. It's just my full name, Mike Mahler, all one word, 73, in my birth year. Exactly. And mine is my name. <laughs> Plain simple. <laughs> <laughs> I try to, that's why early in the game with all of the social media platforms or whatever, I went in and tried to get my name on everything, man. Just so I don't have to, have to deal with these fraud, fraudulent people out there. Even like when I try to look up Rick's um, Twitter handle, just some other dude has his name. I'm like, that is not Rick. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing optimized about this dude that has his name right he, here. He runs. He runs the Adelita's Way Twitter yeah. handle. That's, oh, I, I got it. I, I just sent him. Yeah, I sent a message to Adelita's Way. I didn't know who was going to respond to it. He actually responded to it. And then yeah, I he did him because I'd already, I'd already like put up a Twitter post while we were talking. You know, just kind of do the highlights of the stuff we were talking about. So yeah. So Adelita's cool, Way is, is their Twitter handle. But other than that. 
we're going to shut the hell up and get the hell out of here. So don't you <laughs> take your ass to the gym, you know, or go go eat a good meal. Take your dogs out. They're sick, they're sick of looking at you sitting on your ass listening to a podcast. Or, you know, go make love to your wife or your husband or, you know, whoever. <laughs> you know, so go bang out some testosterone, get the banging, and get the hell off. Quit listening to the damn podcast. On that note, we out. Peace. Take care, everyone. Take care, everyone. <laughs>